Hey everyone, welcome to the Greg's Garage Pod with host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. As we are post-Road America, what's up Jason Pridmore? You're back home in California. Oh yeah, it was another fun travel day. Nah, delays, 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 huh buddy? Uh, I got home at... Got home a little after 3 a.m., uh, right around 3 a.m. So yeah, it was good times. And uh, you know me, I get home and there's no way I, after flying all day, I got to jump in the shower real quick. So it was, you know, it was well after three before I went to bed. And Simon and I got stuck in Chicago, um, weather I guess, or planes, or I don't know. You know, I, I've one. flown United for I've flown United forever, and it's just been really really shitty this year for some reason i don't know but it no, is what it is it's air travel the across job, the board man know. i mean people have been getting flights canceled and all kinds of crazy stuff but oh yeah you're home now and we get to do this podcast and i'm on the road so if it sounds a little different um i'm in mokina illinois at bodock archery before i head off to socal shootout in they're Chula coming out Vista. here it's great and yeah tomorrow yeah. afternoon i got a flight i think i land in san diego at like six o'clock right in rush hour but it's all good i'm gonna head up to tory pines have a little dinner with a friend up there tory yeah, pines yeah, i've pedaled by there i've never been in there have you ever played that golf course yeah yeah it's good it's great it's a beautiful place great golf courses um yeah and i think the weather is going to be pretty good for you this weekend it seems i hope so it always is out here yeah normally just wind it's all you got to contend with in socal just comes right yep. off the coast midday so I think we're scheduled to shoot at eight o'clock in the morning, normally done by like 11 or 12. So wind will pick up right around 1030. It'll be interesting and fun, but we'll see what happens on that front. Uh, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about Moto America, Road America, tons of classes that happened there, MotoGP Catalonia and what was going on there. Uh, very entertaining first and last laps. Let's just put it that yes. way in the MotoGP class. We'll talk a little fantasy and we're going to preview Mizano. World Superbike coming up this weekend. In terms of road racing, it's like not the only thing. I mean, Canadian Superbike Series is going on, but uh, we've got some stuff going on there. So why don't we just jump right into it, JP, and do our news presented by Arai. Hey, it's that time of year, people. It's that time of year where you're going to put your helmet on. And unless you're up where I am right now, where it's 68 beautiful degrees, you're going to be sweating your bum off in Arai helmet. They have antimicrobials right there in the liner. Do they? Yeah, and and everybody loves their antimicrobials. They're the antimicrobials you love so much. Just another reason to go check out AriAmericas.com. Oh, man, they got some things coming down the pipe I wish I could tell you about, but I can't tell you. But go check out AriAmericas.com. Put, put it as a like a like a bookmark. Yeah, you, you're going to want to put it as a bookmark. Check out all the new paint, paint jobs coming down the pipe. It's going to be pretty good. AriAmericas.com. All right. So, Jason, here's a little bit of interesting news uh, that came out that kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people. MotoGP, let's talk tires. Michelin is the control tire for the series, but things are going to change a little bit in 2023 in terms of tire choice. Uh, there was a press release that came out. I'm going to read it to you, okay, because it. uh, it's, not, yeah. it's not really that long, but, but it'll explain itself. And I'm going to skip over some parts, but basically it's about... Uh, the allocation. So um, it's already been announced that the allocation of rear slick tires will be modified for 2023. Riders will be able to use the same number of tires as they do currently, 12 per event, but there will be reduced number of options in order to decrease the number of tires that are produced and transported by Michelin 
but ultimately not used. So currently, Michelin provides three slick tire options at every Grand Prix, and riders are allowed to use 12 tires, a maximum of six soft, four medium, and three hard. A survey was conducted amongst all MotoGP class teams in order to determine future tire allocation, and it was overwhelmingly in favor of the following. For 2023, there will be only two rear slick specs at each event. All riders will have the same allocation, seven of the soft option and five of the harder option. Michelin will decide which spec are brought to each event, soft and medium, medium, hard, soft or hard, you know, whatever. According to the Grand Prix Commission that has confirmed that, which, which, uh, Effects from 2023 season, the allocation of rear tires per MotoGP event uh, will will be as follows, right? So it's either going to be this, Jay. It'll be like seven softs and five mediums, seven mediums and five hards, or seven softs and five hards. So whatever mm-hmm. the soft, softer option tire is, you're going to get seven of those, and then you'll get five of the harder option tire. Now, Jay, I understand. It's a change. People don't like change. But I totally get the business side of things. What do you think about this? You only get two tire, uh, you know, tire options for the rear. Well, and know. I know you just—I know you're just hearing about it for like right now. Yeah, yeah. But the first thing I think about is—is is what we see a lot in MotoGP is sometimes, and you see it in World Superbike too, um, that there are some tires that don't work at all on a bike that might work really great on another. So so let's just say for argument's sake, you have one of those weekends where um, they don't bring the option tire that usually works best on your bike and the other two options aren't great. Um, it definitely will give somebody a little bit of an advantage that let's just say that um, a medium works great on your bike, G-Dub, and a medium doesn't work worth the shit on my bike, then, yeah, you know, and if that's the, if that, and, and, if, and then let's just say the hard doesn't work at all, um, it definitely could be, you're going to see a lot more diversity, I think, in race weekends where guys's, you know, uh, tires work some places and not others. Um, it's interesting. It'd be interesting to know how many trucks Michelin brings to the track. Like, what has caused this? What has caused this? Is it is it a is it an economy thing where they are making the choice of this is how many tires we got and now we bring you know one semi or two semis to the track as opposed to three semis to the track? I don't know what the reasoning behind it is. Um, but I definitely think it's going to switch things up. Because imagine going to a race that you knew a certain compound worked on for you this year amazingly, right? But you were amongst maybe two or three people that used that tire, and now they're scrapping that tire. The following year, you go back to that same track. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Just Just understanding what you read to me that's kind of how I'm thinking about it, right? Yeah, I would have to think that this whole COVID thing, the supply chain issues, all that kind of stuff, basically had Michelin tighten their belts up and say, okay, look, we just can't do three at every race. But you're absolutely right, Jay. The one thing is I would have to imagine that Michelin at this point has enough data and can plan far enough ahead that they will let teams know well ahead of time, even a year ahead of time, that they're planning on bringing this option and this option so the teams can kind of plan for it and almost test for it. So, you know, if, if there's an overwhelming majority of tracks that are going to use the soft and medium, say just those two options, but your bike works better on the hard. And again, we hear yeah. most, we hear most of this stuff on the front tire. So this was specifically for the rear, right? Where we know that like this, this bike works really good with the hard and can make it last or whatever. So I, I think, you know, MotoGP is so organized and Michelin's organized enough where they'll probably give them, you know, a heads up, but 
it might cost some teams some money, right? Like it, like, cause isn't it the KTM that works better with the hard front tire, but we don't know about the rear necessarily. So it may cost some development money to get these teams to go, okay, you know, at 80% of the races, it's going to be soft, medium or whatever, or soft, hard or whatever it's going to be. And we've got to figure that out. And I could be way off here, but I thought Alace used a different tire this year at Argentina, and it worked great for the Aprilia. They were up to front, up speed right off the bat. He goes on and wins that Grand Prix. What if that tire is not available to him next year or one like that tire? So what it will definitely do is if Bishon can get the information out to these teams sooner rather than later of what tires are going to be available next year at certain events, it will definitely be able to help these teams maybe plan their testing structure around having to make certain tires work at certain places. Um, just, I, I mean, I guess that's what I would read into it. Again, um, having you just read that to me, that's what I would read into it going into 23 for a lot of these teams. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it's a talking point next season or not. Well, yeah, our friends in the North, Canadians, I mean, begin their 2022 Superbike Championship this weekend at Grand Bend Motorplex. And for the first time, Two-time Moto America champion Alex Dumas will start his defense of his number one plate in Superbike. We really need to get Dumas back in the U.S. But, uh, you know, Jay, he's still only 19 years old. What are your thoughts on Dumas? Of course, we do know that, unfortunately, Jordan Zoke, who is, I think, a 7,432-time Canadian <laughs> Superbike champion, won't be there because he's still nursing injuries that I mentioned on the podcast before from a training crash. But what do you think about uh, little Dumas and defending his title and the championship starting up this week. Well, it's it's incredible. Um, yeah, to think that Alex is 19 now. It's, it's wild. <laughs> and he's become a pilot up there in Canada. I know Alex wants to race full time. He would be, I mean, he'd be an amazing addition down here. I don't think he ever really got to show his true potential down here, especially on a big bike. Put in some really nice rides um, on a G6R1000 here a couple of years ago. It's a bit of a wasted talent, unfortunately for me. Obviously, I'm a little partial because I know Alex very well. I've known him since he was 11, and um, great guy, just good guy. Um, but he's going to go up there, and he's, he's kind of, you know, he's doing what he needs to do right now to prolong whatever kind of career path he may have in racing. Um, and I know he's got a good home up there. He's got tremendous support from Suzuki up in Canada, so. Um, and you mentioned Zoke. Zoke, I, I've actually been texting Jordan a little bit, just checking on him because no he kidding. got really, really, yeah, yeah he got, really, he got really dinged up, and he is, he, you know, the testing accident he had, you know, broke him up pretty bad. So he's been struggling. He's going through some other stuff as well, and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, kind of when it rains, it pours, maybe. So you know, I don't think he's going to be back this year. That guy is very talented on every kind of bike, trials, bikes, and motocross, all those things. So, you know, it's a shame to see that. I think, what, Ben Young's probably the main contender, I guess, now with Dubai. I think there. so, it's always, yeah. It's, it's been like the... Ben and and uh, Jordan the last couple of years, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, but it would be great to get Alex down here to do a couple rounds on something. Um, right now, Greg, the rider market, there's a few guys out there that I think uh, – could wish that they were on other bikes, either other bikes than they're on currently or not riding at all, you know? So, um, you know, like even Bobby Fong comes to mind. He's, he was in the series last year winning superbike races and 
Um, did he win? He won last year somewhere. I can't remember where he won. Did he win last year? Or he finished second last year. I can't remember. No, Bobby, but second last year. Yeah, he won. Yeah, it was two years ago. I think he won some races. But anyways, we know Bobby's a pretty talented guy, and he's not there full time right now. Yeah, he so, won the Supersport Championship in nineteen. Yeah. So, anyways, there's some talent out there for Alex. Though he never really got that full shot, did he? He never really got that full full potential. Um, but it would be nice to see him back for sure. MotoGP teams tested Monday at Catalonia, and there's some new bits and pieces that we're seeing in terms of uh, speed. It was Yamaha's Fabio Quartararo, the world champion, who was the fastest over Peco Bagnaia by .004 seconds. Not a lot to read into that. I guess Quartararo did that time really early in the day, and then everybody was really just testing. Zarco was P3. He did like 93 laps, Jay. Um, you know, most of the talk on the Ducati side was new aero package. I mean, an Aprilia, Suzuki, it's just a lot of stuff revolves around the aero packages. Ducati with uh, Zarco and Piero did have some new a new frame. Obviously, Honda had like a couple of new frames that were out there, but they were they were decimated, right? I mean, Nakagami wasn't wasn't there to test because he got hurt in his crash. Marquez, Alex Marquez, you know, obviously there's no Mark Marquez, but Alex Marquez did a lot of laps, but he wasn't really full fit. And Polis Barger runs at P5, and he was full fit, but you know, we're we're thinking he's not going to be there. So how many parts and bits and pieces did they give him? But um, most of the stuff really was just about aero packages that we knew about. I mean, there's a lot of other things, chassis stuff to try and all that kind of stuff. What I'm interested, though, is Aprilia said that they had some updated engine stuff. And I'm like, wait, how can they have updated engine stuff? Because I thought those motors are sealed. But I guess they lose their, because they won the race and all that stuff, they lose their um, concessions or whatever at the their end of the season. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, th I think that's the case. But... um. Did you get to read anything about the test that happened or read anything into it? Uh, you know, there was just a smattering of stuff. I mean, at least Suzuki came out and tried something. And the stuff that they tried, they had two different aero packages. Oh, by the way, the way the rule works for aero packages, Jason, you have to declare the aero package that you're going to run at the beginning of the season. And you're allowed one change anytime during the season. And interesting. that's why Yamaha is in a bit of a pickle because they declared and then Quadraro doesn't like it. So well, I heard he's not going to ride. I heard he's not going to run the new fairing. Right, exactly. They no, they're not. So. But the, but the problem was they homologated that. So you have one or the other. And oh, so it don't they, look like he's having too many troubles right now. No, anyways, no, no. He, does he it? doesn't. No, he yeah. tried a new swing arm. I think was really the only thing that they had for him. Uh, but he was he was apparently on that swing arm anyway at the race. So I don't even know what Yamaha did. They didn't do a whole lot. But in, but uh, Ducati has not declared. They've tested like three or four different fairings. Aprilia came out with some really interesting bit. It was almost like a like a bathtub on the bottom of their fairing. It had like this huge ridge, and the bottom bit was really l large, you know. And yeah. but again, they haven't declared either. And I think Suzuki is going to declare their deal. So um, Mir, who is obviously the only one testing, uh, because Sylvain Gintoli was was running the twenty four hour spa. So yes. he wasn't there to test, I believe. He was probably pretty wiped after that anyways to jump on a plane and rip over to Spain to do some laps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Suzuki's in a bit of trouble only because, you know, now Rins is hurt. Um, sounds like he wants to get back for Saxon Ring. Getting back to the Yamaha, it's really interesting, G-Dub, of what a big disadvantage they sounded like they were talking about being in. And now everybody's in a lot of trouble. This guy's he's got an 18-point lead now. They're still testing stuff. They've promised him some stuff for next year. I mean, 
their bike is obviously really good. I, it's boggling to me how nobody else can ride the thing, really. And we'll get into that here in a minute when we start talking about the Grand Prix from the weekend. So, um, But I, I the, the little piece on the back of the Aprilia that you talked about when we were texting each other yesterday while I was in the airport, I thought I had seen that on Savadori's bike at the previous round in Mugello. That's true. Um, yeah, I read that. Yeah, yep. I, and I wasn't sure if that was the case. So you did read it that that was the case. So, um, and yeah, Judah, to be fair, I haven't read on anything to, to today on it. Um, but uh, Quattro was quickest, right? I think over Bagnaya. Yeah, by four thousandths so. of a second. Like, but but like oh, I said, wow. okay. like I said, it was done really early. You know, so you know how that stuff goes. I mean, the biggest thing is that you know for Zarco, Zarco's really the rider tester. You know, at this point. And so he gets all the whiz bang stuff and he gets all that put on his shoulders and poor Zarco man, 93 laps. I mean, that's, that's like Nikki Hayden type laps. If you, if you were around when Nikki was around, um, watching testing and stuff, Nick was almost always put more laps in than anybody else in a test. He wasn't afraid to put the miles in and I, it seems like Zarco's that way too. You know, I think too, Greg, let me ask you this, um, Arrow seems like it's been kind of the blame for the poor racing. I mean... This weekend's race was boring again a little bit. I mean, it wasn't there wasn't really a lot of drama until the last lap, obviously. But I mean, um, it you know I kind of thought they would move away from some of the aero stuff a little. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they start to move away from that at all because you know these guys talk about the aero being being the thing that's kind of hurt the racing at the front, right? So it's it's become a, a battle now of how much more aero do we need, even though the teams are continuing to test that. Uh, it just disturbs the air so much. We saw a little bit of that this weekend too, in our series with the BMWs, and I know the guys were on those soft rains, softer rains, um, in a drying track. But we could really see, specifically PJ's bike and some others moving around quite a bit. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where the aero rules go moving forward if Dorna or whoever powers it be feel like the racing's getting a little bit stagnant. I'm sure Michelin's not real happy with it either, if you think about it, how much heat no. it puts in that, that front tire, you know. It's um, a lot of yeah. No, yeah. you're hundred percent right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh did you have a chance to watch or look at any of the pro moto stuff at all? I did. I watched it uh I, I just kinda I kind of fell asleep here a little bit ago. Like I said, I got in about three something this morning and uh, I'm on a little bit of chill mode today. But um, yeah, I watched I watched uh, the 450 stuff and then I kind of skimmed through the 250 stuff. But it was great to see Anderson get his first win of the, you know, first win in 12 years, G-Dub, outdoors on the big bike. So that's, that's you know, I don't think he'd ever had an outdoor uh, national win on anything. Not an overall, so, no. Overall, that's what I mean, yeah. So Anderson, Sexton, Tomac. It's, what would I thought? What I thought was funny about it. I don't know if you saw any of it, but Sexton ended up only losing both those motos by. I mean, both times the guys were right in front of him. In the first moto, Anderson ran him down and barely beat him to the line, and in the second moto, Tomac ran him down and barely beat him to the line. Both times, Sexton looked very strong. Uh, I thought. Uh, I thought it was. It was pretty good. I think Roxon was fourth. Um, Dungey was seventh. Caroli was sixth. I can't remember who was fifth right now. It's just. Anyways, but Jet Lawrence was sick in the second. I guess he was puking before the second moto, and um, he was. Yeah, he ended up. Yeah, he still won. Yep. 
And he ended up winning the second moto, winning the overall. I think his brother was second. So anyways, or uh, Cooper was second. I think his brother was third. So yeah, those guys were up at Hangtown. I think they go to Colorado next. Wow. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's your news presented by Arai. There you go. Well, G-Dub and I just got back from arguably our favorite race, um, probably the year in the sense of venues. Um, hard to beat Road America. The Hearing that they're going to repave that place for next year, I, G-Dub, I just can't imagine what it's going to do to the lap times at that place next season. Um, and it again, it's it's kind of weird. Like None of the season has kind of gone the way that, that I think any of us could have predicted. Um we had two new winners this weekend for the season. So now we're up to four winners on the on the season. Because Matthew Skoltz won the first day over Petrucci and Hector Barbara. PJ Jacobson ended up fourth. Another really good showing by the Tytler Cycle Racing Team. Um, Gagne was fifth. Louis Escalante, Corey Alexander, <laughs> Pegram, ninth. I just love it. Ashton Yates, tenth. And, you know, when you looked at this race, G-Dub, it was really interesting because we kind of thought we were finally going to get that battle at the front between Petrucci and Gagne, and we just still haven't truly seen it. Uh, we saw it for about four laps at VIR. But those two guys kind of had, I, I don't know, it was a racing incident to me. I didn't think much of it. Uh, as they went down into turn five, kind of collided a little bit. And Gagne, you know, even with his abundance of motocross skills, he tipped over in the gravel. I'm sure he, I'm sure he had some laughs about that with the team. Um, he ends up tipping off. Petrucci kept it on track. And got into this titanic battle with Skoltz. And um, all the while, Gagne rolled back through the field to finish fifth. Uh, I mean, I thought Matthew, it was so good to see him finally win. I said in the telecast, the guy's tired of finishing second. And he was able to take care of that. He was. And I think that um, if you look at really (laughs) the way Petrucci ran that race, it just, you know, the last lap, I mean, it's on him. He just made a big mistake. You know, you have the fastest bike. You, there's zero reason to attack into the final corner, especially Matthew Skultz, who you know is going to lean on you. And Matthew, he didn't take the bait. He didn't roll off the throttle. He didn't try to give Petrucci room. I mean, Matthew just leaned in there, and then it was a drag race to the finish line. And, you know, I think from a racer standpoint, having been there for a long, long time and watching what uh, what happened in Supersport, the race before, which was Ty Scott sitting on the rear wheel of Josh Heron and then just drafting him and passing him at the finish line, I thought it was it was a little shocking to see what Petrucci had done. You know, I'm not sure if the guy even watched a race before he went to Road America, but the same thing kind of holds true for me as I look at the collision with he and Gagne down into turn number five because was that was that that was the first lap, wasn't it? Yeah, I was right right off the start heading down. So into if turn you, five if you think about it, that was Petrucci's first go ever into turn five with a bunch Correct. of people around him, right? And yep. when he went down there, he kind of moved. As he gets to by the that pink, he moved to the left. But if you look behind him, you can see the flow is always to the right. You know, yeah, Gagne it, was moving to the right. Petrucci moved to the left. It was not a big deal, and neither no, one of them made deal. a big deal saying, about it. Yeah, I'm just saying it was. Uh, it was like, you know, it was an experience. You know, or or like I'm not really sure what he was thinking. So, well, think- I'll tell you. You know, you bring something up, G Dub, uh, and I, I want to get your opinion on this because I thought about this. You know, when you're sitting on airplanes, bored out of your mind, you think about a lot of things, right? But mm-hmm. do you remember in the in the post race interview, Petrucci talked about how Skoltz can never pass him, you know, without him having to stand his bike up, right? Yeah. Do you think that that shot that he fired into the last corner was more of a all right? I'm going to give this guy a little bit of a payback, and his mind might have been in that mode rather than 
I mean, you yeah, look like at no how matter close what, he, no matter what happens, I yeah. got a faster bike. I'm going to beat him to the line. Well, let me, I just think I think what he was thinking is, I'm going to go move him out of the way, like he keeps on trying to move me out of the way. I don't know what if that was the case. I think if he keeps, I think if he keeps a cooler head, and and I don't even know because I don't know what the mind of of Danilo thinks, but. You know, he basically said in our in our thing that he was going to race the second day. He's going to race those guys a lot harder. Like basically, I'm going to I'm going to kind of give as good as I'm getting. Fair enough to him. But if he just literally follows Matthew through that last corner, he wins that race by three bike lengths. Yeah, and the like, thing is, you don't even have to follow him, Jay. You could have literally rolled off the throttle for a heartbeat and then gotten a run on him, which is even better. A thousand percent right. Like he took a shot into the last corner when I. It actually really surprised me. I didn't think he would take a shot into the last corner. He'd already, he'd already, we'd already been able to see that he could draft and go past that the the Yamaha of the Westby team's bike relatively easy down the straightaway. We'd already seen well, that with that helicopter so he'd already, shot. It was more evident he, than ever, right? But he'd already kind of semi addressed it. I, I really believe that looking back at that, that was Danilo's race to win because Matthews. Matthew's bike looked a lot looser in the closing three or four laps than Danilo's bike did. You completely called it by Matthew going down up underneath him into turn five for the reason of trying to open that gap up before they got to the straightaway. And Danilo did a fabulous job of not allowing that to happen. That said, he was so far back when he kind of dove bomb Skultz in the last corner that that is ultimately what cost him the race. If he rolls through that last corner... He goes by, I believe he gets by Skultzy at the top of the hill relatively easy and wins the race. I just think it was a poor judgment call in that particular case. And um, you can't take anything away from Matthew. What did he win by, Greg? Like 0.018 of a second or something? A 1-2, I think. Yeah, 12 thousandths. Yeah, he won by 12 thousandths. And it was a great it was a great win for him. Um, I was bummed for Cam Peterson, obviously, uh, to see him not be able to get the result because he he did cam did anything really well this week more than anything other than winning the second race he's shown that confidence that he needs to have at the beginning of the races because he did a really nice job the first day and the second day as well but cam's misfortune led to us getting to see hector barber finally on the podium which is also really great because he's so pleasurable to have on the podium he was yeah his excitement his enthusiasm it was really good to see there's some great photos that Brian J. Nelson took of, of, of Petrucci. And, you know, don't forget those two guys have known each other for a long time in that pack. Well, I don't know how close they were, but they were in the MotoGP paddock together. And, the, you know, and it's, yep. and you, you've been in that paddock many times as have I, it's a small community of people, you know, yeah. whether you're in Moto3, Moto2 or not, people know who you are. I mean, how many riders are there total that even compete in Moto, MotoGP on the circuit? 70 a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. 24 here and you know 30 there or whatever so you know maybe maybe not you know maybe 80 it's not a lot of people when you travel in you know i don't even know what do they start in march and they finish in november it's a long time to be with people you know it it really so it was cool to see the smile on hector's face and the and the disappointment on petrucci's face at the same time you know it's that expectation level and the thing is it's like Hector seems like the guy, you know how it is, Jay. You finish third, and then, you know, if you sniff the podium again and you get beat out, say, for second and you're third, now you're upset. Hector seems like the guy who's always going to be happy, no matter if he wins well, or second or third or whatever. Yeah, and it was. You're exactly right. And, look, Danilo was, up, Danilo was upset because he didn't win the race. That's just a racer's. That I mean, look, that 
there's nothing wrong with that. Um, for me, it it goes back to when you look at Danilo's race, he kind of said that he was bummed at how Skultz shoved it down the inside of him in five and he's got to stand his bike up. He still had the chance to win the race after that. Yeah, he I mean, could have. <laughs> he, he could have still won the race. And I, him, Skultz doing that. I mean, go watch a world superbike race. Okay, <laughs> those guys are doing it to each other once a lap, standing each other up. It's racing. Uh, if you watch the Moto Three race this weekend, yeah. same thing. It's racing, and it's like, you know, I would have just loved to have seen Danilo go. Man, I learned something from today. I'm going to take it in tomorrow. We finished second. Um, we, we're right there in the points, even though Matthew took a one point lead after that. Um, just, I just don't look so down all the time. I know you want to win. I get that. I don't, I don't think Danilo didn't win that. I, I think Danilo lost that race on his own though. He could have won that race that the team put a bike underneath him that was capable of winning and strat- strategically, I don't think it was the right strategy coming to the line. Hector, on the other hand, had to beat his teammate, PJ Jacobson. Who had a, cr- a great weekend. I mean, look, PJ finished his second on the second day. So Tyler's BMW team, superbike-wise, Greg, I believe that's their third podium of the year. They've had a first, a second, and a third now. I believe. Because um, Barbara's, Barbara's on the podium once, PJ's on the podium once, Kyle Wyman. Um, oh, they're, they're not a first, first second, they, and third. Sorry, I, I'm sorry. A second and two-thirds. Yeah. I believe, right? Yeah, second and two thirds. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Thirds. Who would have predicted I mean, that at the beginning of the that's year? Good. Seriously, that's you know you think it would take a lot longer to develop those bikes and and all that kind of stuff. But Dave Weaver and the program he's put together has been great, man. You know, I, if someone was to say to you that Jake Gagne was going to see two checkered flags in a weekend but never see the podium, would you have believed that? <laughs> Not the way he was rolling. No, it's yeah. It gets pole position, and then both races just didn't kind of work in his favor, did they? No, let's talk about race two then. Yeah, I mean, cause race, race two was a crazy race. It was We had a really strange morning on Sunday morning, Greg and I did, because when I got to the track, I knew bikes were supposed to be out there, but we had a couple bikes blow up and put some fluids down the track, and so it caused a gigantic delay for us, and... You know, obviously cleaning up oil off the racetrack when it's raining isn't ideal. I thought that the crew at Road America and Moto America did a good job because we really didn't see any other issues after that in the area. And it was a big widespread area. I think you knew more about that than I did, right? It, it oiled the entire track. Like, basically. It's insane. Mm-hmm. That is insane. So, you know, when it's wet. And so we had, I mean, what do we have, Greg? Basically almost a two-hour delay, I think. At the end of it. So everybody had quick warm-up sessions. And in the Superbike race, by the time it came around, it was a real big question mark of what tires do we use? Do we use slicks? Do we use reins? I mean, reins were the way they had to go. So we had all of our Superbike grid on reins in a drying track. And it made for a good race for us to call, didn't it? Because we had Gagne, Petrucci, I mean, sorry, we had PJ, we had Cam Peterson, and we had Petrucci all going at each other. <laughs> um in that top three top three spots and i mean we kind of knew cam was due for a win arguably could have been done the first day had he not had a motorcycle issue but he ends up getting a, a big win in the dry it's not the one that he wants on slicks yet he's still working on that one isn't he um yeah but but i mean you i mean look it's a crazy race and and cam did an amazing job of controlling all the things he needed to control to win 
Yep. It was it was crazy in the sense, obviously, that, you know, when you're on rain tires and it's pretty much dried, you could see it on the best is PJ. I mean, that he was yeah. on the front yeah. everywhere. I mean, the thing was just yes. wiggling and what and PJ gets post race. I don't I don't think it was on the air. We were like in break, come getting ready to come back and we had the camera on PJ and he's talking to his crew chief, um, Scotty Jensen, and he's just like, Oh man, the front was a little loose and Scotty just starts laughing like, yeah, we could all see that, man. Like, the thing was just moving around. So, you know, we don't have an opportunity to race a lot in the rain. The Petrucci thing, he had mentioned post-race that he didn't have any real acceleration in one, two, and three. It has nothing to do with the motor of the bike. It has to do, I think, with the strategy that they used for the rain, and they just miscalculated that. And or yeah. the, it was creating so much wheel spin that it was – uh, like reactive traction control more than predictive traction control, which obviously is the okay. difference between spinning and, and managing torque. So I, I don't really know what it was. It had nothing to do with the motor. It was all electronics, but you could see it. When he was driving out of those corners, like the last corner, as soon as he clicked in fourth gear, the thing would take off like a missile. So like had he done, had he done what he did on Saturday, on Sunday, it would have made a lot more sense to me you know, if he was in a situation, Petrucci, where he could have stuffed, say, PJ for second place and he wanted to disrupt PJ's drive because he knew he didn't have the acceleration in first, second, and third gear, and there wasn't enough time from fourth, because I would imagine you're probably in fourth gear. Maybe you've clicked to fifth across the line. I'm not really mm-hmm. sure, but you're not you're not in sixth by the time you hit start finish line. You still have some gear there. So that was the situation where thing was just kind of spinning and that was what caught Gagne out. He said he's just spun on the line and he couldn't get any traction. And I'm not really thinking that Gagne was willing to risk it with the feel that he was getting out of that motorcycle, you know, with that rain tire and the thing squishing around. But nonetheless, it was our, probably one of our largest margin of victory of the weekend, right? 1.3 seconds from Cam to PJ. All of our racing has been so close this year. It seems, um, yeah, in all of our classes, but but like you say, G Dub, it's um, PJ's tire, rear tire looks smoked too. You heard him when he did come in, and he, he said, "He goes, my tire's smoked." That was his exact words. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the riders were talking about the tires being smoked in the middle of the tire itself, and that's what causes the spinning. I spoke to probably three or four other riders that rode that race that said they were going down the straightaway, and they were having to modulate throttle because they had the thing wide open. It was just spinning, like it wasn't doing anything, you know, and. So when you think about it, the throttle, think about that's the way you rode your entire career. (laughs) Well, yeah, it is, but it's probably more off than on too. I should have kept it pinned a little bit more maybe. Um, But the thing was, is that, is that, you know, we're talking rain tires in the dry here. There, there's gnarly. I've experienced that a little bit over in world endurance, you know, Um, and they have different compounds of rains over there as well that you can choose. So for this exact reason, if you're going out into a stint that's wet but looks like it's going to dry, there was a harder rain tire compound that you could use. Um, I thought that Petrucci's interview in the second race, we kind of got to find out why he couldn't get off the corners because his bike looked really good and the guy on the brakes so good, but he couldn't get off the turns that well because he said in second, third, and fourth, maybe they'd put a little bit too much electronics into the into the bike itself. Um Getting off the corners, maybe they made it a little bit too soft. I don't know if that was something that the team actually did or if there was a problem with the bike. I don't really exactly know. Um, but generally, you might make the bike hit a little bit softer off the bottom 
if it's in a wet condition or something. But he did talk about like once he got to fourth, fifth, sixth, he was fine. But second and third off some of the corners, the bike wasn't as it wasn't as good off the turns as he would have liked it to be. Yeah, and that's what we saw. So yeah. But nonetheless, we're in a, a position now where Petrucci was leading coming in in the championship. He lost the lead to Skultz by one, but Skultz ended up finishing eighth. And I haven't really found out exactly why. I kind of think I know why, but it's not for me to really talk about. Um, well, no, but look, at the end of the AGW, you know why. And it's, it's It was a setup thing probably yeah, they, they more than anything. I mean, they just missed the setup. But, but, but do you know, I mean, Greg, it's such a fine line, isn't it, when you get those kind of conditions of if you miss the setup a little bit, look at Gagne finished, I mean, fourth. I mean, I, when was the last time we've seen Gagne, like I say, finish fourth? He was 14.3 seconds behind the leader. Well, they just missed something a little bit on the setup. That is it. It's either you're going to be comfortable in those positions or you're not going to be comfortable in those positions. Camp Peterson was super comfortable in that position for whatever setup that they threw at the bike. Whether Jake's setup was the same or not, we don't know exactly. We'd have to ask the team. But... Jake wasn't as comfortable. He had a lot more spin, maybe. Um, PJ Jacobson, years of experience. You heard him say he raced in those kind of conditions before. Very comfortable. Ends up finishing second. Almost gets that BMW its first win. Arguably, if he'd had some tire underneath him at the end, he probably would have, wouldn't he? So, What about Pegram? (laughs) Listen, you said it best, okay? Somebody get your suit. You're going racing again. I mean, you know, mm. you want to talk about Pegram did a great job, man. I mean, he's he's obviously a very talented racer. He comes in there, he finishes what he what was his overall finishes, Pegram. Nine five, I think it was. Yeah, nine nine five. On a bike he'd never ridden before this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. talked to him a little bit, G dub, and he said that his motor was just a it was kind of a spec motor between a stock thousand and a superbike. He was kind of in the middle, so he didn't exactly have what PJ and Hector had. Um so I mean, dude, I I was I was super pumped for Larry. I had a good chat with him. Uh, it's great to know that he still loves to throw the leathers on. I mean, dude, he still goes and does dirt tracking. Look, we tried again. talking to him after the race too, by the way, on the on the broadcast, but we couldn't find. Is that him, right? So couldn't find. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. So he was I mean, probably talked to Don down ox- they were... oxygen somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not we couldn't find him. It's not like we have unlimited resources. I mean, we're literally live. We only have so much time. Hannah was our our pit reporter, which she crushed it this weekend. And, yep, uh, you know, so there's only so many people that could run off and find Larry, but yeah, we wanted to talk to him and find out what his experience was like. But anyway, the super bike championship is real close. I mean, seven points between Petrucci and Skultz. Our next one is the Ridge. It's twisty. It'll be interesting to see what Petrucci has to say about that. Gagne getting back on it. You know, Cam Peterson may be coming off with some, uh, some confidence. It's going to be good, but, uh, let's move on to, uh, super sport race one. Cause that was another banger of a race, wasn't it? It really was. Um, I mean, I have the results you know, of it if you want me to yak it off. No, I figured you were going to do this one. Do it. Okay, yeah. So in race number one, it was Tyler Scott who who wins uh, over Josh Heron by 39 thousandths of a second. Rocco Landers came from virtually nowhere and just reeled everyone in to beat the young Luke Power, who's a new star in our sport. Mesa was in the mix this time. He was in fifth, and Olmedo, Lockoff in seventh, Soltis, Nisani. Liam Grant, dry race. And then in our second race, it was that kind of mixed conditions, a little more wet definitely than it was in Superbike. So ra- so those rain tires were were a better option. But Jason Farrell, local rider, 
ends up spanking everybody by 9.9 seconds over Luke Power, Josh Aaron, Benjamin Smith, Mesa, Perez, Nassani, Olmedo, Soltis, and Justin Jones. So, you know, looking at that championship, Heron, I think he came into the weekend, Jay, with, what, 31 points? Now he's got 51 points, so he's got two whole races in the bag. But let's talk about race number one. Ty Scott, 16 years old, Vision Wheel M, 4X Star, Suzuki, rookie, you know, on that team. And yeah. uh, he had a great race. Well, it didn't just have a great race. I mean, the racing IQ and the intelligence he showed throughout. He told me at the beginning, you know, um, that what he wanted to do was try to get into turn five and lead and get away if he could. And Heron went down up underneath him going out of the carousel into the chicane on the very first lap. And Ty Scott right there made the decision, I'm going to let this guy lead for 10 laps or at least nine and three quarters. And, and I'm going to let him do all the work up at the front. What I thought was impressive, there was a couple guys, G-Dub, that were really impressive in that race because that next group of five, really it was only four for the majority of the race. I believe it was Power, Mesa, Lockoff, and who am I missing? Uh, Mesa Lockoff. You got the results. I can't. I. Are you talking about race I, number one? Race number one. It was Luke uh, and Almeida. Those four guys oh, were kind of there, on, and yeah. they started catching the two leaders. They were actually going like two, three tenths quicker, and then Rocco was on the back of those four, and then he started going forward, didn't he, Rocco? Mm-hmm. And dude, the kid to finish third was amazing. But Ty Scott just sat on the back of Heron the whole time. And to be fair, G-Dub, he drafted him at the line um, by what? What did he win by? Like a, a bike length or two? 39, yeah. It, Half a wheel. It was, it, yeah, it was 39, was it 39 thousandths of a second? Mm-hmm. I've got the Junior Cup results up in front of me for the yeah, next 39 one. 39 so thousandths of a out. second, yeah. Which is really nothing. And I thought Josh rode as good as he could ride. I mean, Heron continued to put the pressure on towards the last two or three laps. They, they both dropped the hammer a little bit. And um, and Heron did a good job. Look, I know people have got their backs up in the air about the whole package of the rules and this and that. We've had a Yamaha win. We've had a Suzuki win. We've had a Kawasaki win. We've triumph. had a Ducati win. We haven't had a Triumph win this year. Triumph won Daytona. Well, okay, I'm talking about our championship. Yeah, I know, yes, but I mean, had, same rules package, yes, right? Like, yeah, same rules package. So you've had five brands win. I mean, and and the thing is, is that. What I like is the fact that we've got some of that. And I think each one of these bikes are going to have their strengths and their weaknesses. I don't think that the rules are that far off. I really don't think that they are that far off. Um, didn't Rocco almost do the la- fastest lap of the race on the last one? I can't really remember, but I you know, I know it was close. You mean in, in, in race number one? Race one? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... It ended up that Ty Scott late in the race. He did a he did a nineteen nine. Was it his last on lap? his last lap? Right. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 What did What did Rocco do? Rocco ended up doing a twenty point oh three two. So I mean, it was but, but it was tenth. Yeah, exactly. And that yeah. So Rock yeah Rocco. I mean, even Heron did a twenty point oh six three. You know, at some point of the race. But Luke Power, dude, he had the fastest lap of the race for a long time. Uh, he did a twenty point oh oh nine. As opposed to Ty doing that nineteen nine eight three, so it was, um, you know, you got to look at it and you go, okay, Rocco's getting his stuff together in the dry, okay, he's getting his stuff together yeah. in the dry. He wasn't really there in those mixed conditions, or, the, or I guess you could say full wet. I mean, it was full wet, really. Uh, Luke Power looks like, like this kid is, 
Dude. You know, he's how great wild. was it to see him do as well as he did? I mean, we, you and I ran into him at VIR, didn't we? And he was such a nice guy, and you know, comes over from Australia. He's got a and, funny um, accent, though. It's weird. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, he jumps up to the 750, and I can already hear what people are going to be saying that he couldn't do it on the 600 and this and that. But at the end of the day, the rules are the rules, and you got to be able to. You can't do with even. Them what you, you nobody will. can say that. I mean, the kid just got here. So he, he, you know, he had what one race. He's not or even seen these. Never even seen the racetracks. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So it, it, what he's doing is not just motor, you know. And it's and again, they did they keep balancing the GSXR 750, taking a little bit out, taking a little bit out, and that's that's what they're doing. I didn't think they were going to do it immediately. Like they just keep doing it race to race to race. And most yeah. of that is it just doesn't have to do with with other teams bitching and moaning. That's the thing I like the most in talking to Moto America. They're looking at the data that they get. They're looking at the data they download off of each motorcycle that has the 2D system that basically gives them all the information that they want. And that's what they're balancing it off of. They're not balancing it off of someone else's perception. You know, so I mean you heard Josh Heron say it at the beginning of the broadcast, oh, we have a deficit on top speed. It's like, okay. Let's wait till we get to the ridge, Josh, where you rip, and let's see, how, you know, how close everyone else is. You know, it's it's yeah. You know, we saw this. Full, we've got to get a full season, Jason, of a variety of tracks. You know, we've had some high speed tracks. I, I get it. You know, now yeah. we're, we're getting some twisty tracks that go up and down and all this kind of stuff. We just need the full mix. That's that's what I we agree. need. You know, I mean, I agree with you. I, I have to agree with you, and and it's like that's right. You do. Well, which I don't like. No. Doing. What about race two? Let's just talk real quick about race two because in morning warm up that day, um, they basically the Supersport riders were the first ones to go out after after the we oil. had a problem, mm-hmm. and there was a rider that fell immediately right out of right out of the pits out of turn one, uh, and they red flagged it immediately. Then they got it going again, and Farrell was like three seconds quicker than anybody in the wet, so I knew he was going to be a problem for those guys. As long as he didn't get ahead of himself. I mean, I didn't even realize that Jason was 46 years old. So pretty amazing stuff that, you know, I mean, I think I think Hayes is 46 years old. You got Pegram, who's like 58. I don't know how old Pegram is. Anyways, the thing is, is, we'll that, go with is that so pumped he doesn't listen to this because he'd be calling and wanting to kill me. But the thing was, is that is that I think Pegram's 48 years old or something like that. So... It's just pretty funny seeing these guys in their mid forties still being competitive, but Farrell ended up. I don't even know what happened on the last lap of that race, Gita, because he had like a three second lead for the majority. All of a sudden, it was nine seconds at the end, um, with like the last lap or two laps to go. I know power, and then we're kind of mixing up a little, but um, pretty cool to see. You know, I was reminded of Gita. You were talking about Greg Fryer, I think, at Brainerd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a tweet about it. Yep. You got a tweet about that, right? And what, what was it? What was it? Um, what was the tweet? You want to know specifically? No, no, no. I was reminded of. I couldn't tell you who won. I couldn't tell you. But do you remember the guy that won the Moto America race like two years ago at Jersey and Stock Thousand in the wet? There was. Remember, we had like another local guy win there in the rain in Stock Thousand a couple years ago. I don't know if it was two years ago or three years ago or four years ago. I can't remember. But somebody brought that up to me that that. And I and I'm sorry I can't remember his name. You and I don't call that race, so it, it's a, you know it's a little harder. That's the thing I don't call don't the race, so I don't really recall. You know my memory. We don't, we don't know the new today, guys, and it's like the only the only stuff I can remember is stuff I like lived through. If if that makes sense, but I mean I'm trying to pull up some stuff. 
I can't remember when did it rain last at Jersey. Uh, I don't remember. Well, well, that hasn't happened before in a long time. Oh, you there? There you go. Now you're back. You were gone. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of you froze up on my screen, so. You're freezing up. You're frozen up. I know, up on I know my the screen. internet here is really good, but anyway, so we're back, and uh, I don't know, dude. There's something going yeah, on with my so, internet. Anyway, you're back. I was trying to pull it Sorry. up. Sorry. Yeah. Is there really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on with my internet. I apologize. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, that's all right. Yeah, because there's some really great things I've said, and you just repeated them in this whole podcast. It's been pretty funny. So. Really. Um, some really great <laughs> yeah. things that you said. Yeah. I explained the whole thing about Petrucci's gears, like one, two, three, how it was all electronic and everything. And then you went by and said the whole thing over again. Oh, really? Funny. I, 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 yeah, you froze up. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Sorry, so, um, it doesn't matter about that whole, you know, what, what the old stuff was. I mean, but yeah, either way, um, good racing. Josh Heron leads the championship by 51 over Rocco. So, so people got to start making some moves if they're going to tighten this championship up or else Josh is going to get to two races to the end and have the thing all sewn up. So, but it's the thing that fascinates me more about Supersport is watching this young talent like Sam Lockoff. He's kind of on the struggle bus right now. And yeah. I know that, you know, he's got he'll have opportunities to pull himself out of the struggle bus. You have Tyler Scott, who's brand new in this class, who's 16 years old, who looks like a bright shining star. You have this Luke Power who's over here who's starting to do well. Kevin Almeida showed us some moments where he's kind of where we think he should be, you know, now on a Yamaha. And then Benjamin Smith is another rider that you look at and you go, okay, he's close. You know, he had that arm pump surgery. He's feeling better. They're getting things sorted out on that bike for him. It's just he's a he the kid needs to be on a stock thousand or a super bike like he's just tall well you say that but each weekend i talk to them and each weekend benjamin just always like has i really couldn't even tell what the hell happened in that turn one crash between him and Farrell on the first day i i was it was a weird accident like i i don't i i honestly don't know and then the second race he ended up fourth but and you talk about lock off it was a tough day for m4 guys because lock off went out after the first lap or I don't even know if he made the start because we sh they showed him in pit lane working on clip-on or something. And then Ty Scott crashed in the second race. And, you know, Heron went up underneath him in turn eight there, ran him a little bit wide offline. Um, and then Ty tipped over in, in, in the carousel. The bike kind of spun him out and such a bummer. But it was like, but yeah, the lock-off thing's a little bit puzzling to me. Obviously, it wasn't his fault that he didn't finish. The second race but it's a little weird seeing him look like he's struggling a little so um but yeah but and in benjamin's the same it's like there's just always seems like there's one little thing that kind of holds ben back so for him to finish fourth i thought was a decent result even though those guys in front were quite a ways in front um but yeah we'll rock on to uh to to the ridge next let's get to junior cup g-dub um First day, Joe LeMandre Jr. finally gets his first race. Had a good chat with him before. Kind of felt like it could be his day. It was. It really came down to him running a, a really tremendous last lap. He was able to get through on Kayla Yaakov, uh, I, I believe, going down into Canada or going into the chicane, and and chased down the leader, Gus Rodia, who actually had broke these guys a little bit. Um, the group behind kind of messing around with each other. 
Gus Rodeo got out out front. Looked like he was starting to just get away a little bit. And he went into Canada corner really tight in the last corner, probably thinking that he was going to get stuffed. And when you look at the margin of victory that he had, I mean, Greg, six thousandths of a second, uh, LeMandry beat Gus Rodeo by. It was just that close. I think if Gus goes through that last corner or goes through Canada corner kind of normal, I think he wins. That said, he rode amazing, ends up second. Kayla Yakov, third, amazing again. Um, first time she's ever seen the place she dubbed. Double podium weekend for her. Cody Wyman ends up fourth in the first race, comes back and wins the second day. LeMandry was second on the second day. We got quite a shakeup in the points just because of the DQ that we saw at uh, VIR with Max Van, unfortunately. But the point standings now have just completely closed up. And when I look at those, it really is anybody's championship to win. Right now, we got Cody Wyman leading over Gus Rodeo, over LeMandry. Max Van still sits fourth. But Max Van went from like, what would, do you remember our tease that we did at VIR? How big was his lead, GW? It was like, I can't remember. It was mon- It was like 38 or, points or something. Yeah, yeah. 38. Yeah, it was pretty big. Like and we, we were, were sitting there going, man. Camera, like, we don't think we've ever seen a lead this big in this class this early. And now, and now with a little bit of bad luck for Max Fan with the chain popping off, I mean, all of a sudden he sees himself 19 points back. And, that's, you know, wow. Like, it didn't really see that coming, you know? Still a good um, bit of racing to go, and, and oh, some, tons of racing to go. Yeah. yeah, he could still win this, and he's definitely Kayla is yeah. fifth. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, in terms of the points, Yakov, yeah, some of the points, yeah. She's gonna win one, dude. Pretty impressive. Think? I mean, she ended up third in both races. Third in both races. She really, she had an opportunity, I think, to win the second one, probably more than the first one. Yes. But it was, I think it ended up being positioning, honestly. I just think that sometimes these junior cup races, when you do all the work that you need to do to get to where you are, I think Cody Wyman yeah. just happened to land in the best position to get the best draft up the hill and pass. Kayla was kind of a sitting duck, I thought, um, in that one. But either way, they're great races. I mean, 0. 0.024 of a second, 0. 0.006. I mean, you, you can't ask for, for better racing than that. <laughs> it's it's pretty good, right? Yeah, um, it it really is good, and and for the most part, the racing's really clean. I mean, it reminds me of Moto Three. You know, we just don't have as many people for the first half of the of the Junior Cup race Moto Three has, which is absolutely insane. You know, Moto Three is more of a freight train, isn't it, Jason? I mean, you you literally yeah. have stem to stern by halfway in Moto Three, two point one seconds between all those. But it's not like those people that are two seconds behind that are on the freight train have a chance to win. You know, it's one or two of those riders may work their way up back up to the front, which we saw, you know, it, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but still it's, it's, it's impressive looking and it's a great story if you're a commentator. No, it's fun for us to call those races. It was weird because I went to bed on Saturday night kind of thinking, you know, Greg and I should just sit out when they're coming down the front straightaway and when they're going down the straightaway from turn three to turn five, because <laughs> We don't really know who's going to be leading in turn one, going into turn one. We don't really know who's going to be leading going into turn five, and we should just let it sort itself out and then call it from there through the infield because it's so crazy. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, Joel Amandri reached out to me about maybe coming out to California and doing a few things, and we just never really got it hooked up. He is such a good dude. Yeah, you, I know you've talked to him a couple times, and I really got the opportunity to really get to talk to him this weekend and um, before race one. And he's just, I will tell you this. Some of the text messages that we went back and forth, just just discussing some stuff without giving too much away. He's got 
his mind in the right place for the season. Like, he really does. He's got his brain in the right place. Uh, obviously, he would have loved to have done the double. I thought it was great to finally see him win. You know, it's, Greg, you kind of start to root for guys that, that have finished, finished on the podium a bunch. Like you said with Kayla, right? We see her win that gets taken away. Like, we want to see her win. Same thing with my boy Sasaki, right? Like, and Agura with you, like last year. You see these guys, they're doing so well. They've gotten so close to winning, and you kind of go, oh, I want to see them win. I, I thought it was great seeing Joe win that race, finally get his his, his first victory. Um, I can't tell you how many different riders we've had win these races this year. I know Cody's won, LaMandry, Max Van. Who am I missing? Can't remember. But... I mean, it could be a year. We've seen four superbike winners already. We could see as many as five, maybe six different winners in Junior Cup this year. So it's good. It's really good. Aiden Dow, yeah. keep it up. There's a potential winner. He's got speed. Um, yep. Medina, has, yeah. I mean, we could have more than that. I think. You know, what about Gus? Has Gus wrote it? Gus hasn't won one yet this year. Or this has year, he? I don't know. I closed. I closed the tab. I don't even. Yeah, I did too. I, I yeah, both. But in case everybody's wondering, both G-Dub and I are a little bit out of it today. I am anyways. I'm not going to make excuses for G-Dub, but I am G-Dub. I'm a little bit. No, I get know, it. No, honestly. I totally get it. I'm yeah. A, um, by the way, spent. in Stock 1000, I think they had one race this weekend. Corey Alexander on that new BMW, even after being banged up and beaten up and all that kind of stuff, he ends up winning the race by 2.8 seconds over Travis Wyman and Jeff May in third with Mesa Debrino in fifth. But if you look at the points, man, it was Hayden Gillum. He, he finally has some bad luck on his side after winning two in a row, and we thought he has the potential to walk away with it. I mean, he's he's obviously on a very capable motorcycle. He's a great rider. He still leads his championship after a DNF, and I can't remember what his was for. Was it a chain situation? or We just don't know. It just stopped, right? He didn't crash. Yeah. It was an equipment thing. But No, no, no. I, there was a little puff of smoke out the exhaust when oh, there it was. happened. Okay. So. But anyway, so Hayden, Hayden, six points, only six points over Jeff, uh, sorry, Travis Wyman, only one point. Further back from Travis is Jeff May. Corey Alexander is 13 points back. And Maximiliano Gerardo, dude, is only 15 points back Wow! in this championship. He's having a, a really solid year. He's had one podium so far, the fifth-place rider. But he's had a fourth place. And then he's you know kind of in that middle range where he's like finishing sixth and seventh and stuff like that. But, you know, you've had uh, – oh, so far it's been, you know, Hayden Gillum and Corey Alexander are the two riders – that have won races and Corey, the only races that he's been in that he's finished, he's won. So Crazy. It's, it's interesting times in stock thousand. The field was freaking ridiculous. I mean, there were so many people, you know, in that, in that field. Um, it ends up at 35 people finished that race. So, well, and Greg, to your point, what's really crazy is Debrino is in sixth. He's only 22 points back. It, it's, and we're going to his home track. So oh, yeah. you can see major shakeups here. I think they do a double stock thousand. I think does a double at um, the Ridge. I'm not positive on that, but like a guy like Andy Debrino is going to go in there, ripping and ready to go at his home track that I believe we saw him on pole position last year there. And what's even more incredible is Stefano Mesa is only 26 points back, and he didn't even go to Atlanta. So when you start to look at things, like this is truly anybody's championship, and Corey, that morning, I mean, Greg, he went 13-6. That is so fast. And then he went mm -hmm. out in Superbike right after that and destroyed the bike that he was that he just went 13-6 on. They put the other backup bike together. That's what he rolled out on this race on. And, like, 
about three quarters of the way through that race, I thought Travis was going to catch him. I thought he had a little bit of pace. And and then Corey just was able to kind of sustain that and then get away and 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 obviously win the race. Um, Jeff May, he, I talked to him quite a bit. He's right there, isn't he? Did I, you and I both didn't know this, but Jeff came in in the Superbike race on Sunday in those mixed conditions. He pitted. <laughs> he pitted. They put slicks on, and he went straight out and crashed. Oh, so, no. Yeah, like I didn't know that. But like I guess he pitted on like the second lap, came in the pits, they changed the tires, he went out, and then crashed exiting Canada Corner on his out lap <laughs> on slicks. So, yeah, bummer. But and if he would have done that three laps later, he probably would have won the race. Well, it was I cut mean, to eight. That's the problem, right? It was cut to like eight yes. laps or something. And that's – and that's you know, I, you know, I sit there. I, I I wish we didn't have to cut our superbike races down like that. It, an eight-lap superbike race to me is eh, – it, I feel like superbikes kind of our feature class, and we had plenty of daylight. It made us really, really light on our TV stuff. I mean – we had 25 minutes to fill at the end of that show, and I know we still had races afterwards, but in this case, this is where, can you imagine if that race would have gone on for another, I don't even remember what we used to race there. Wasn't it 15 laps, our Superbike races back in the day? I believe 15 it or 16? I can't remember. Anyways, but eight laps Superbike race was a, a bit of a bummer, but because then some of that strategy could have played out, right? I wonder if anybody else, you got to think that some people might have pitted during that race to get different tires on their bikes. Yeah, I mean, if, I think if the race was longer, if if one of the lead people had gone in there, well, that's the other thing. If the race was longer, they would have had to. Not that the tire would have ever come apart, but you would have just been riding on, you know, on no nothing. tread. Yeah, and I think that I think that with it being a four mile lap, you'd probably be at a pretty big advantage if you if you know if you had a crew that could get you in and out of the pits pretty quick. Got to remember, Road America is a long pit lane, though, isn't it, G Dub? It's pretty long. Yeah, it's really long. So, but it was, but anyways, but May did take that. May took the chance. Michael told me that. uh, Gilbert told me that that night. He's like, hey, he goes, yeah, the the team saw May coming in. They put the tires on. He went back out. Poor guy crashed. So hopefully he's okay. But, but Stock Thousand is really really fun to watch right now. And so back in um, 2007, just uh just I pulled one up. We used to do 16 laps around Road America. Okay. 16 laps. So we did race, eight laps this weekend. The race was 35 minutes and 30 seconds long. Yeah. And, you know, it is what it is. I realized that we had some stuff happening in the morning. I, I mean, I get all that. But kind of feel like our feature race should be longer than it was. That's just an opinion anyway. Yeah, no, I know. But, it, you know, whatever. It, you know, it is what it is at this point. It and is what it is. We move on to Twins, um, where I in Twins it right. Cup, yeah. it was uh, Jody Berry. Jody Berry. <laughs> he, uh, he didn't really check out, but that was a very entertaining race. Maziato kind of came from from back quite a ways to be able to sneak up on Dominic Doyle, who finished in third. Blake Davis was fourth. Corey Ventura, fifth. Cody Wyman in sixth. Uh, Caleb DeCarroll, who was up there early, Jay, and you and I kind of thought – when he was up there early, that he was going to be a force to be reckoned with the whole race, but kind of drifted back with Hayden Schultz. And uh, so you look at that race and you go, okay, you know, it it, it was a pretty, a pretty Yamaha, a bunch of Yamahas until we got to DeCarroll in seventh place. That Veloce racing crew and, and you know, the Warhorse Aprilias and stuff are pretty darn fast. But I thought, looking at the Twins Cup, that actually – Kind of like we're looking at in Supersport, that the Aprilia and Yamaha were evenly matched just in different ways, right? But overall, lap time-wise and stuff, 
they were evenly matched. They just make their lap times in a different way. The Yamaha seems to handle a little bit better, and the Aprilia comes off the corner a little bit better. Well, yeah, the Aprilia just looks like it's got the legs a little bit on the Yamaha right now, and just a little bit. Like, I agree with you. I think that they both bikes have their strong characteristics, but we saw it even at, uh, at VIR where Jody was able to you know, he was able to kind of hold those guys off at the line, even leading out of the last corner. And, and um, I mean, look, it, take nothing away from him. He's riding amazing. So, so Jody? Um, yeah, he's riding really good. Yeah, I he's mean, leading the championship by 51 points, just like that's Heron That's what I'm is. saying. Yeah. It's, it's it, between that and Supersport right now, those two guys are, are killing it. And, and, dude, Jody's been around a while. It's not like he's not been around a while. He, he's, he knows what's going on, and he understands – that these points he's getting, and it's kind of a home race for him. We've seen him on 600s in the past. So he's pretty cagey, and now he's got this gigantic points lead. And and really, it's been a little bit of errors by some of the other guys around him. And I think if you go and you you look at some of this, Maziato has finished every race. Um, but yeah, Greg, he's 51 points back. But you look at Jody Berry, he's won four races and finished second in another. And in Atlanta, he got 11 points in the very first race. So, I mean, look at the consistency he's had. He's just, he's, yeah, he's absolutely killing it. Yeah, and he's so, racing for it, man. He's totally racing for it. That's the thing I like to see. He's not resting on three or four race wins. He's just going to keep going out there and pounding it out. And, and uh, he, you know, he's, he's hit the deck a couple times in the past. And so you look at him and go, okay, looks like he's cleaned all that stuff up. So hopefully we see some heads turn with Jody Berry. And, you know, if he yep. can hold on to the, this consistency and win this championship, maybe we'll, we'll get to see him in. Super Sport or Stock Thousand or whatever. A different you know? class. Oh yeah, he's capable. Like I mean, Twins is fun. I'm not. Capable. I'm not taking anything away from Twins. I mean, Twins is exactly that. It's like Twin Super Bikes, right? Like they're neat bikes and they have a lot of stuff and you know, not just not as much horsepower, but the racing's intense. I like it. Yep. No, it's it's really good in the Baggers class. Man, it's pretty cool because you got like two factory bikes, two Vance and Hines bikes, and then you got two Mission Foods Indians. So you got four Harleys, two Indians that were. Yeah, I mean, we had six bikes literally in that lead group. It was pretty close. Again, it was kind of a weird. A lot of the Har- a lot of the uh, the Harley riders, a lot of the bagger riders, were worried about going out on reins for the first time because they hadn't been on them before G Dub. Um, and so they they I mean, Greg, they only got what I think a lap or two of practice before the the track got oiled up. Um, but thankfully, they didn't have to go out on reins. They were on slicks. Travis Wyman beats his brother Kyle by a little under, little over a second, or a little under a second. Jeremy Williams was third. O'Hara fourth. Taylor Knapp, who I thought rode really well, was fifth. Raspoli sixth. Corey West got drafted onto a bike that was previously being run by Bobby Fong. Last second, something happened there. Corey West gets brought in. Carlson, Scotty Beal, and Andrew Lee rounded out the top ten. Um, the Baggers race was actually a lot of fun. To, to kind of watch it still astounds me how fast they're going i mean great two, didn't they do like a 22 or something like that in qualifying i think 22 it's that's uh, insane kyle 22 is a lap record all that kind of stuff but yeah i mean that's like super sport times right that's like super sport times yep you're 100 mm-hmm. percent right like that is that is really really fast so do you remember when remember when i i we have the we had the feed up prior to us getting back on air after the race and McWilliams just looked really pissed off. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I'm like, something's going on. Like yeah. something's. So I had coffee with him on Monday morning. And yeah, um, so funny. Did you go to, I, you, you went down to Elkhart? 
Went down. Yeah, we ended up going to. We went back to the track Monday morning because a bunch of the boys yeah, were going to ride. Yeah, what's the name of the place we went to? Off the rail. Yeah, he, he took a photo. That's right at the train tracks, right? It is. Yeah, yeah I saw him yeah. take a photo of that, and I saw the timing oh, of did. it. And I was when I was driving back down to Chicago, and I was like, uh, I wonder if JP ran into him. <laughs> I did. Yeah, which was great because you know I've gotten to know him a little bit, and you know he's a good, he's a good guy anyway. So just talking with him and just you know whatever and. He was, I said, you know, it, it looked like you had the shits, like you were pissed off, you know? And he's like, yeah, I was pissed I didn't win. I go, oh, yeah. Basically, he had, you know the little two-lap oh, yeah. race that they, yeah, I, well, as you would be. But I thought something happened that you and I maybe missed, which yeah, nothing yeah, that's happened. Yeah, what I thought too, yeah. Because you and I both like, did we miss something? And and um, basically, the two-lap race that they did the day before, remember they did a two-lap race? And remember in his yeah, interview, he said cash, he started, strategy. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And remember he said he started on a used tire, thinking it would probably be a little bit better and this and that. Well, the two-lap tire that he had, that's the one he wanted on the bike, and it went, it disappeared somehow. So he was a little bit bummed at that. So he put oh, like, like a tire a that tire had five. disappeared. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. They, had to put, they put a tire on. He goes, I should have gone with new ones anyways. He's like, my own fault. Should have had new ones, but kind of wanted the other tire that they had taken off because I thought it would be a good tire. It disappeared, and they put a tire on that had five laps on it. Oof. I saw Tyler O'Hara there as well. I said, Tyler, what happened? Like, 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 what happened? Because I thought Tyler would be, you know. He goes, he just looked at me straight in the face. He goes, I got smoked. <laughs> I said, okay, fair, fair, fair play, you know. Yeah, fair okay. Get him smoked. a microphone and a camera, and let's let's get some honesty finally. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. And I was like, oh yeah, all right. And and then we just had, you know, we had like, some great chats with Jeremy. Uh, he's like, he's loving being over here. Um, he didn't even know how many more racers baggers had, but I think they have Laguna. They have Laguna. I don't even know either. They no, have they Laguna have, they, yeah. and a Jersey. Are they go? I think they have Brainerd too. I think they go Laguna, Brainerd, and Jersey. I think they have a five round series, right? So they did Atlanta. They didn't do well. They did. DIR. So they did. So they have Daytona. Six, they have six, six races. races total, don't they? Yep. So they've got. So now they've got they Laguna. Had, Brainerd and Jersey, I think, to finish the year out. Right, because they had two. Hey, at that ba- the baggers two, would be really fun. Two at baggers Daytona. Are be f- yep, that's so, the only place they did two races. I think, isn't so it? So there's two. There's two left. Mm-hmm. Mm. I guess you could pull up. Hold on. It takes me two seconds to do this because you can see. Uh, so baggers at Monterey. Oh yeah, they don't have it up there yet. No baggers at Minnesota. Oh, there isn't. Not that not that I see right now. Okay. No baggers. So Monterey. Um oh, it doesn't I thought I could pull Jersey. it up a different way. Yeah, I thought I could pull it up too, but I I'd probably have to fish for it a little bit. But yeah, when you look at the point standings though, in that class, it's close because uh you've got um by the O'Hara's way, there's people listening to this podcast right now that are like yelling at us. How did you not know that? The information's right there. Well, I'm like, well, I don't yeah. see it. Anyways, yeah, I don't know. You'd have to go probably to the rule book. And... I was talking to one of the stock thousand crew chiefs, and he was basically saying, "Jay, we don't even know what races we double at. We have double <laughs> races." I'm like, "What do you mean you don't know?" He's like, "We don't know." <laughs> He's like, "We don't know." We until like we just don't know. Because I, I was saying, don't you guys do two races at the Ridge? I don't know. I'm like, well, so yeah. O'Hare leads 
Seven points over Jeremy McWilliams. He leads by eight points over Wyman. So again, you've got top four guys separated by 13, po- 13 points because Kyle Wyman is in four, 13 points out of the lead. So I think I think they have at least two more races left. I know they got Jersey and I know they got Laguna. That's what I think Kyle told me. So anyways, we'll do a little checking. We'll do a little we'll do a little digging, G Dub. Are we gonna do a little digging? A little checking? Yeah, we'll do a little digging. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean so, I'm sitting here looking at the rule book. You'd think it would be in the rule book, right? Yeah. Well, you think. But yeah. Anyway, I'm like looking anyway. here at the race classes. I'm like I'm like literally thumbing so, through the rule book to see. Uh but I I can't I can't find it. <laughs> Where these people are listening I, to the podcast right now just screaming. They're just their, already checked out. They're like I'm the out. radio going like what is can't wrong do with this these anymore. Dopes? Yeah. yeah. We are. Anyway, all right, too, let's let's way. so let's let's move on. Obviously King of the Baggers, we have uh, uh Tyler Harris 7 points ahead of his teammate McWilliams in the championship. Eight points ahead of Travis and thirteen points ahead of Kyle. Um, next is Rispoli, thirty-one points back. Tied. I just did this. Are you, oh. are you, you just you got me zoned out, don't you? you, are, you well, and I, I are both no, I was like, in the middle. Of, I was in the middle of looking at the book. So. Yeah, I yeah. know. I, yeah. I did that already. Kaylee Bike, I think, is her name. She ended up winning Royal Enfield Build Train Race with Crystal Martinez, one tenth of a second. Jennifer Chancellor, a little bit of a mistake on their part. They raced after a red flag, but no damage done there. Luckily. Uh, Chancellor leads that championship by seven points over Jessica Martin. Wow. Um, so there you go. Wait a second. Why Why would that show points like that? Do they not give the two girls that race to the line points? Do they take their points away or something? Yeah, I guess. Well, Plus yeah, they left them, Kay- gave them Kaylee's the win. At zero. Kaylee's at zero on my list, right? So they've had two races this year. And is Crystal at zero too? I don't know. I don't have that one pulled up. Um, I just do the job that you tell me to do. <laughs> I just do the job you tell me to do. I just so there's they're saying in the points that Jennifer Chancellor ended up winning the race, which would make sense because the, the those two raced after the red flag was was flown. So it looks like yeah, it looks like the the two the two listed on the on the race results the the um yeah are. Kaylee and Crystal looks like they got DQ'd. So Jennifer Chancellor wins. Uh, Kayla in fourth and Jessica in fifth. So we'll we'll double check all that next time they race, which is another thing. Like we don't know when they race exactly. I mean, Bree does, of course she does. So anyway, that's yeah. Moto America. Um, we're racing up against a couple of weeks, right, Jay? Like two and a half weeks or something. We're going to the Ridge. The Ridge. So, yeah, we'll we'll preview that and get everything sorted out as to what who's racing, how many races, all that kind of stuff. So let's move on to MotoGP. They were at Catalonia this weekend. In the MotoGP class, it was Quateraro who ends up winning the thing by 6.4 seconds, I believe, right? Is that the race results? Yeah. Seriously? Over nice work, G-Dub. Huh? Nice work. Over what? About what? No, you got it right. 6.4 oh. seconds. You're at the right race, and Quateraro won. Yeah, you, yeah, that's good. Over Jorge nice Martin work. and Johan Zarco, which really shouldn't have been that. Zarco should have finished. Um, well, Martin should have finished third. <laughs> but that's a whole other thing. Uh <laughs> Juan Mir in fourth and Alicia Spargo in fifth after a dumb dumb move. Um, Luca Marini, Vinales, Binder, Oliveira, Alex Marquez, and then Remy Garner ahead of Darren <laughs> Binder in twelfth. So getting a couple points over Morbidelli. Hmm. Jack Miller, struggle bus in fourteenth, and then Raul Fernandez, your last of your points paying. And they of course they found some stuff up with Miller, and he was much, much, much faster on Monday because that's the way testing works. 
Jason Pridmore, opening race or opening lap. Uh, Taka Nakagami ends up headbutting Peko Bagnaya's rear tire, <laughs> knocks him out of the race. His bike ends up cleaning out. Your boy uh, Rins, um, he's in the hospital bed. Yeah, your boy. He's in the hospital bed. He apologized to everybody. Um, he's he's going to be okay, thankfully, because his head took a took a huge hit. Nakagami. Nakagami yep. did, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Peko upset, says something about safety. I don't know what he's talking about. Um, you know, something's got to be done, blah, blah, blah. The same old spiel you hear. You know, I've, I've been done wrong. Something needs to be done until you do it, and then nothing needs to be done. No, I don't even think it's that. It's just, it's, all right, let's just go back first off. Quattro is... These guys are in trouble now because look, Alesh got the jump. Quadraro goes in hard on the brakes, takes over the lead. Bye, gone. It's just gone. gone. After Alesh, essentially Alesh dominated the weekend up to that point. So got pole yep. position, was quick on Friday. Everybody kind of handed him the trophy, and then Quadraro went. Wait a minute, what about me? <clears throat> Who just comes off signing a new contract? How great must it feel for Yamaha to see that they just gave this kid a new contract, and he just goes out and spanks everybody? Um, it wasn't even close, by the way. This guy put his head down. Man, the, the level of consistency, confidence, um, race strategy, I mean, whatever you want to call it, Quadraro was in a just a, a, literally a level, a field of his own there. Um, he exploited, did a nice he job. exploited I, the best thing the Yamaha does, whatever that is. Turn well, break and turn, break and turn. <laughs> it doesn't accelerate the best, and it certainly doesn't have top speed the best. And he exploited that at a racetrack that has a kilometer long straightaway. I mean, you gotta and, and, give it to him, it's unreal. But this is kind of what motorcycles do, right? I mean, the thing is, is that even when you go back and you look at our super sport category, I believe there are going to be places where, like. You know, for us going to Road America, everybody's like, "Oh, the GSXR 750, the 750, the 750," but but, and they won a race. The thing is, is that is it like the Yamaha is consistently downplayed in MotoGP that it's not very good, that it's this and this and this. But by the way, it won the world championship last year, and right now they've given this now this now that guy's got an 18 point lead after Alicia's little mistake. Look. Alay screwed up, dude. That's just the bottom line. He didn't want to do that. I love the heat that people give him for making a mistake. The guy's having the best year he's ever had. He's put Aprilia well and truly on the map this year. And, you know, even though I had him in fantasy and all that, it's it, and you were like razzing me like, oh, yeah, wait till a lap to go. So I knew something was going to happen because you couldn't keep your mouth shut. So, uh, and it the fact is, is it's like, the fact is, is that he made a mistake, man. But look, just look for the look for the black and white things that they call checkers. There's two of them in MotoGP. Look for those. <laughs> that's like all, those usually that's end the all, race. That's all we're saying. Poor guy. Man. Poor, poor. I thought he broke though, G Dub. Like when you were saying that, like, oh, wait till the last. Greg was in the booth and he knows I don't like to get any results. And of course. He's that guy that goes, oh, yeah, wait till the last lap. Like, oh, great. Now what's coming up on the last lap? I so, didn't say it to you. I turned around and said it to the person behind Shut up. Me. I can't you help you that you were listening. So I can eavesdropper. hear. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm an eavesdropper. Douche. But the thing is, is that, is that he's still there. But, but Greg, the points, man, they're getting out of control. Jorge Martin finally put in a good ride, didn't he? And then he I did. seen he's had sur- – and then he went and immediately had surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there for him for the race at Saxon Ring. Is it arm pump, G Dub? I I I've yet to no, really no, know. No, no, it's what's... nerve. It's it's uh he was he was losing feeling in his hand. Okay. So yep. it was surgery to get his feel. 
you know, Hayes suffered that for a long time. And his, like, he didn't even know where the brake lever was, and he was still winning world championships, you know. It's really difficult – or national championships. It's really difficult yep. – so for for Martin, that was it. He couldn't feel where his hands were. Basically, got it. Or a hand, so he had one, a nerve. He had like a surgery on his a nerve surgery. Then yeah, yeah, some 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 sort of nerve surgery. Yeah, I, I don't really know what it is, but I mean, look, there's a lot of good storylines. I can't wait till the next race. Is the next race Saxon Ring? I think in two weeks. Um, there's going to be some new bits and pieces rolling out for some of the manufacturers. Some have to wait. But, you know, now we're in it. I mean, we're in the thick of it. And there's some really good racetracks that Yamaha's going to that have traditionally been their tracks. Where Ducati mm-hmm. right now was, I'm sure that they were hoping to leave Catalonia with a points lead. And uh, it, it didn't happen. So, again, Crazy. eight riders, all the resources, all that kind of stuff. And Ducati ends up in the same position they've been. And what it comes down to is the inconsistency of one rider. Obviously, Ducati, they, I mean, they have to be leading the manufacturer's championship because we've said this before you've said this before jay you know you you you're literally looking at a guy uh one week who's there like a miller can win and then 14th the next so so some other ducati rider steps up in this case it was martin who we haven't really seen mm-hmm. much of lately because pecco ended up hitting the deck i think pecco probably would have been there giving quadraro at least a run for the money i'm not Agreed. entirely convinced that it would have been a 6.4 second race Agreed. win. i mean elaish I don't know. I mean, it should have been like a five second, but Aleish made a mistake. You know what are you gonna do? I think you're 100 percent right, and th- it was really a bummer to see uh, Bagnaya get taken out. What's really bizarre to me, G Dub, is how um, so many writers have come out and been very outspoken about Nakagami and kind of the writer that he is. I, I I've read some things where it's. You know, I kind of called it locker room material. Like you kind of say things and you don't really bring it, you know, amongst your peers, but you don't really say anything. But then when a guy like Renz comes out and says what he said at um, at after Magello, a lot of writers jumped on that. Now, did you read the comments about Zarco? Zarco is uh, like part of the Writer Safety Commission, and he basically didn't really think that Nakagami did anything wrong. At, I don't uh, think Nakagami at, did anything wrong. I think Nakagami made a mistake. At, no, no, no. Oh, at, at Mugello. Mugello. Hmm. Yeah. No, Greg, listen. I, I'm actually pretty surprised at you not thinking that Nakagami did anything wrong here. Because normally, you're the guy going, hey, man, like let the race start. like Let it play out. Like Just the fact that he comes in there and, and look, we have seen in the past a trend at Catalonia of riders getting cleaned out in turn one off the start. And for me, it's like you got to get yourself into a position and you got to find yourself that space. But as a rider, you can't win the race in the first turn. So it's like you got to let things sort of play out a little bit. Like you're going to get in there deep and you're going to do your thing. Conversely, the tweet that Bagnaya puts out about, about getting taken out and hoping that Nakagami's okay and it was too bad to see Rins get hurt. And then he and then he says, you know, something's got to be done. Well, what can be done? Like it's going to happen where guys get taken out in the first turn. It really is. But I think when you go to a track like like say Coda G Dub, right? We know it's a very nasty first turn. They don't come from the speed that they probably do at Catalonia. You've been to Catalonia. That front straightaway is downhill, is it not? Yes. Yeah. You've got to you've got to use better judgment there. You can't just go running off in there to where you're trailing in so deep from the inside of the corner. 
because you're putting yourself at risk, but you're also putting a bunch of other people at risk as well. Like I, I agree and, with everything you said. My point yeah. is Nakagami crashed because he was trying to avoid other riders because he wasn't deep. He made a bad, you know, he made a bad decision. I understand that. Or he panicked or whatever it is. We don't know for sure. But what yeah. I do know is that he slammed the brake lever on, the rear end goes in the air, it gets out of shape, and then he tucks the front, and he didn't touch yep. anybody. But the bikes in front of him were slowing down, so his head took out Bagnaya. Thank goodness he's in an Arai helmet, AraiAmericas.com. With, micro, with antimicrobials. With antimicrobials. <laughs> I hope he's had those in there. <laughs> but, you, yeah. but You know what I mean? And then unfortunately, Rins was was in that bad position right he was on the outside he got clean we saw it in moto three right like sometimes you're just in a bad position that's what i'm saying uh, you know if if nakagami had gone in there and started pinballing off of people you know you know i would have said what i normally <laughs> say okay but in this particular case i just think he made a mistake and well yeah but it's a mistake that you just it's a mistake that gets made so I'm talking out both sides of my mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying. Like the, the, that's you know what I'm what I mean? saying about the Bagnaya thing. It's but like it's something needs to be completely. done. Well, what can be done? He, okay, you can't. Well, what can be done? Yeah, because it's going to inject you know, judgment it, into yeah. somebody at every second. All we can do is sit here and just judge them after the fact, right? But yep. the bottom line is, for God, I say that a lot. But for Nakagami, he's okay. <laughs> and all you, he, all okay. he can do is do yes. the thing that he did, which is take take responsibility for it. And yep. apologize. He apologized to the rider, and he apologized for the for the team as well, or to the team as well, you know. And yep. and so that's it. I mean, I think maybe some of the stuff that you're talking about before Jason is a factor that Nakagami is probably hearing the murmurs that he might be on his way out. He's maybe racing yeah. for a job, you know. Maybe you know he needs one more year to hang on so he can go take the place of somebody over at World Superbike on the HRC team. Maybe he's a test rider. I don't know, but I do yeah, know. That Nakagami yeah. is is integral enough at this point of the season where HRC missed him because they needed him to test a bunch of stuff on Monday and he wasn't there. Yeah, it sucks. And John Mir had a good ride coming yeah. from the back, yes. finished fourth. Yep. Right? Yeah. Great ride from him. Alesha ends up fifth, like we said. How about Luca Marini? I think Marini and Bezecchi are really starting to show their colors, even though Bezecchi fell in this race. That Mooney VR46 team. I mean, Marini's actually put some results together. I think it's his second sixth-place finish in a row. Uh, he ends up beating Vinales to the line by about half second. Vinales, still a bit of a head-scratcher, right? I mean, Vinales legitimately has done nothing since probably three races before he got sacked by Yamaha. I haven't seen him, right? Is it kind of shocking to you that they... They committed to him as early as they did for next year? No, because I can kind of see no. it in the testing deal. He was the one out there testing this and testing that before Aleish got some stuff. So, okay. you know, I, I think it's almost to the point where you have an A rider and a, and a, and a T rider, not a B rider, but a T rider. It's almost like, uh -huh. let, let's put him in there. He's got, he's got potential to give us a result, but we're going to hang our hat on Aleish right now. And Vinales is going to be the guy that's going to, why don't we go ahead and test stuff in race, you know, race simulation and see what he says. I think from the parts that he got before Aleish got to test him, that they're putting a lot of emphasis on Vinales and maybe his input to things. So, okay. you know, it, again, it's just a guess, Jay. But yep. we, we've seen this before. You know, it's not like, the, you know, everybody's trying to hire two A riders. It makes things very confusing in a team if you have two A riders and where do parts go and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that's the whole Rossi-Lorenzo situation, and that's why a wall went up, right, at Yamaha. You know, like literally they, they, they put a divider up there. 
because you know it was a battle of two A riders, and there's been other teams like that. So I'm not I'm not totally surprised. However, I think had they waited, Aprilia, because of Aleish, you mentioned it just not too long ago that Aleish put him on the map. I think what you're really trying to say is, you know, this time last year, if there were great riders available, nobody was turning their heads and wanted to go to Aprilia. Now everybody wants to go to Aprilia. You know? It's pretty wild, isn't it? Right. Like, it, mean, it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens with that, you know, with the second team going into next year. Binder again, the main guy, you know, obviously him and Oliveira were going around together uh, like the whole race, and then Binder ends up actually pulling away from Oliveira by about five seconds. Talk over the weekend, Greg, is that Oliveira might be going to the Grassini team if Bastianini does, in fact, make that step, which sounds like that is kind of the direction they're going now. It'll be interesting, though, because if Martin starts coming to form, I mean, now we're starting to see Bastianini do what Martin was doing at the beginning of the year in crashing. Um, Bastianini with three wins this year. Um, he crashed out of this for the second time. So Oliveira looks like he might be moving over because he's like not going to ride for the, the uh, satellite team. He's not going to ride for Tech 3 um, as far as the KTM stuff goes. Alex Marquez ends up 10th. Alex Marquez crashed on Saturday, got through concussion protocol, came from dead last on the grid to finish 10th. I mean, that's a good ride, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay, he's so the same place I am. world champion. Is it a good ride? I mean, for, unfortunately for him, yeah, it is right now. But. It, I just don't think it's enough. I think that, again, there's going to be some shakeups at Honda uh, because, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe Mir goes to Honda next year and takes... Like, it doesn't sound like Pole's going to be there. Maybe Rins jumps on the LCR Honda. Maybe he doesn't go to the other Aprilia team. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, but Marquez, I don't know anything about what happens over there, but I can't see him keeping that job. I I, I mean... Unless they have they, they something some, else in mind. Some, you know, unless they But have like what you always mind. say, G-Dub, one of your points that you always bring up is like the fact that Miller's going to KTM is because... The, the electronic side of things, Miller's going to go to KTM, give them some information and help that team out. I mean, don't you think that that guys like Renz or Mir have some value that they can come to Honda and maybe try to help uh, build that bike and make it better? And I mean, there's only yeah. probably so much that Rollick yeah, can do. Yeah, because if, you, would, can't, if yeah. you can't count on Marquez to develop his own bike, which he can't because yeah. he can't stay healthy, then yeah, 100%. Because they're going to yeah. bring, you know, obviously they're going to bring notes with them that are going to say, hey, can we get this bike to turn better? They've also been through the development of the bike. Again, I don't know how detailed either one of those riders are, you know, because this, the spectrum yeah. of rider is, I don't know, I just can't get it to turn and fix it. All the way to, you know, I need two degrees of rake, I need two twists of preload, and I need a click of compression. Like, that. that's the spectrum of right. rider. I don't know where they fall in between one or the other. So, but, you know... Moto G, by the time you get to MotoGP, it looks to me like there's going to be a little bit more detail, but not every rider is the same. Not everybody wants to know the same. Not every crew chief wants to give the rider any knowledge or information that's going to fill their head with garbage that's going to, you know, basically seize a piston. So, yeah, it's mm -hmm. really hard to say at this point. But, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll have to see what happens on the rider market. And I think it's really crazy. Yeah. It's what it feels like to me. We've seen it where had everything stayed the same and had Aprilia not been Aprilia now 
and Ducati been a little bit stronger and Honda still been Honda and all this kind of stuff, then I think it would have been a it wouldn't have been a rider's market right now in terms of like Yeah. But the fact that, you know, it would have definitely been more balanced, I think, between what riders want to do, what factories they want to go to. I think with the departure of Suzuki, things got really complicated. And I think that with the way that Yamaha is, there's only one rider that can ride it. I think things are really complicated. I think that when you say whoever the satellite, well, we know who the satellite Aprilia team is going to be. Um, they're going to get bikes that are based off of the last bike that they test in the off season, right? Like that that caliber of bike. And then what's the uh, what's the part upgrade schedule for those Aprilias? Now you're talking serious business, man. Now you're talking about a team that wants you know people want to get there. You know, I yes. still I still think that Alicia Spargaro is not rated like some people think he should be. So I think with that in mind, in his 14 years or whatever, if you're a rider. Alesha isn't untouchable. Like, if you look at Mark Marquez or Quadraro right now, you go, I don't know, as a rider. I don't know if I could get on that Honda and get the results Mark could. I'm going to be struggling like the rest of them. But I think yeah. that people look at Alesha and they think, oof, if Alesha can ride that bike, I certainly can ride that bike. You get, you know, I, You know, that's a great point. Yeah, and I think you're 100% right. And I think, you know, Alesha arguably should have finished second this weekend, like we said. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, done yeah. an yeah, amazing job. He's been on the podium all the time. It's weird how we don't really show that respect. And when we talk about fantasy in a minute, I'm going to talk about a tip that G-Dub gave me over the weekend. Because I Don't stand up I, in a canoe. That was the tip. I'm finally like, I am finally to the point where like, I believe in Aleish because he's just been good. He's a points earner. He's obviously, we've seen him be a crasher in the past, but that was probably because he was overriding equipment to an extent. And it's been nice that Aprilia has shown faith in him and they have continued to show faith in him now. Um, so, you know, I could see him going to battle for his brother to try to get him on that satellite team next year because it doesn't look like Paul's going to be at Honda. I mean, look, dude, Paul Spargo finished 17th in this race. He got beat by Piro. And I haven't got to see the writer interviews afterwards. And But, I mean, like, he was running fifth at one point in this race. He ends up 46 seconds back. Now, he's gone. I just don't think he's going to be there. I will say this, though, just getting back to these results that we're talking about. Remy Gardner, 11th, G-Dub, that's the best result he's had all year, I believe. He beats Darren Bender, who was 12th, who in turn beats Franco Morbidelli to the line. I mean, Darren Bender is beating Morbidelli now. It's insane. It's it's crazy. That's what I'm talking about. And this whole market's all kind of crazy. We can't really judge off of one, obviously. You're not going to go off of correct. one race. but And they're, they're not going to either. Darren Bender seems like he's starting to move up, get a little bit of you know stuff under his belt. You know, you... You forget how how good Darren Bender was on a Moto Three bike. I mean, even the graphic today in Moto Three or this race in Moto Three, and you're looking, oh, this guy set the fastest lap of the race, and you look at it and go, oh, Darren Bender, as big as he was, has the outright lap record of Moto Three in a race. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. the guy is fast. You know, you don't. I got I got a stuff. question for you. Yeah, yeah. I I got a question for you. In our time, I'm trying to think about it right now. Has there been a rider that is signed for the following season that a manufacturer has decided to pay off and let them go to bring in somebody else that could maybe get results? Do we know? I, I, I'm just trying to think out loud. Like during the year, you you're mean? better at this than I am. Yeah, so say for argument's sake, because like when, who was it? It was Danilo and I can't remember who it was that were going into their second year of the contract and yeah, they were told the before the first round that they were going to be out next year. Yeah, COVID, right? 
Like it was the COVID year too. It was 2020, wasn't it, going in? I think Petrucci was signed to a two-year deal, and going into the second season, they'd already told him that no, we're no, bringing he in. No, was, he was at the end of his deal, I think, and they but they told him at the very beginning of the season, you're out. They're gonna, you know, yeah, they're, they we're bringing Bagnaya up next year. Yeah, they didn't cut, they like they didn't cut his deal short. And I don't no, no, they didn't cut him short. He finished the year. No, he finished the year. But year, I'm saying like contract. right, yeah, yeah. Because I'll tell you, there's a guy who I really, really like that is off the boil, man. He is. Di- I mean, Franco Morbidelli. Where are you? Like, I don't. I mean, I love the guy. The guy finished second in the championship just two years ago. What didn't he dub? Wasn't he second I mean, to? Dude, uh, he must have he, some contract because obviously they're saying. Franco's back because he's, you know, he just signed a two-year deal. He's back next year, and that's why there's no room for top rack. Well, I look, and the top rack thing is a whole nother discussion. But, like, why wouldn't you – I mean, look, if there's one guy that I think could ride that Yamaha if Mir is indeed going to Honda, why wouldn't you put Rins on that thing? Because – Yeah, Rins or Mir I think could Rins, ride that Yamaha. I agree with you. I agree with you. And so – I think one of those two are going to end up at Aprilia. I think Mir's going to Honda just from what we read, but I think that I think that Rins will end up on. I don't know if there's a Ducati for him to get on. I don't think there's going to. I don't. They're not going to use him at KTM. Rins has got to go to maybe that Aprilia or a satellite Honda team. But at this point, Morbidelli, the amount of money that it costs for them to go race a year to get the results that he's getting now. Are you better off paying him and going, hey, thank you for your services. You're free to go sign with another team. Is that even viable in MotoGP? Do, I don't think we've ever seen that precedent set where they just say, we're going another direction. Here's your money. Oh, we're, I'm sure it's happened. It's had to have happened, sure. Somewhere along well, it's the had line. to have happened. The, 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 the difference you, is now, Jay, is that from what I'm understanding, if you're a factory rider in MotoGP, you're getting a lot of money. Like you're getting kind of what you're worth. You know what I mean? A couple million, million, blah, blah, blah. I was just saying, what's he on? Two or three million? Who? Morbidelli. Yeah, he's got to be because he's factory. But if you're a satellite rider now, because there's so many good satellite bikes and so many people coming up from Moto2, you're now a $200,000 guy, $300,000 guy. So that's part of the reason why Oliveira is like, no, I'm not going away. That's why Miller's like, no, I'm not going to satellite. You know, you, you're the same rider. You still have the capability of doing the same things, and now you're just going to go put the same risk out there and and take a step back take a step back and then lose a ton of dough. I mean, you know, at $200,000 on a satellite team in MotoGP, there are Moto2 riders that are making more money, you know. So, I, well, I there's know. only one there's only one satellite team that you're going to get on in MotoGP if you're going to you're going to be on a satellite Ducati team because that bike's shown that it can be you can win as a satellite team. There's not another team out there that I can think of, tell me if I'm wrong, the satellite team that is one Another brand. All right, I guess well, yeah, LCR I mean, K- won. KTM. LCR's K- won. No, Tech 3 won for KTM, right? Two years ago. Two um, years ago, and LCR won. LCR, LCR won. won with Crutchlow. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, and then... But that doesn't really look capable right this second. No, but what I'm saying is... Is yeah. if you're you're if you're in it for a bit, you know, the business side of things, right? You I mean, people are in it to, to, to earn money. I mean, you know, you're risking your lives to sell leathers and helmets and gloves and motorcycles and tires people want to get paid because they know that the lifespan of a racer short the demand of a racer short you know i want to say lifespan that's that's a bad way to put it but the demand of a racer short and and especially at the moto gp level everybody's so finicky you know what i mean it's like 
DG Antonio is another rider who's who's kind of having a good run these last couple of races, but yet you know, and all of a sudden, you know, he's like the the talk of the town, and you're like, yeah, but where's he been? But it's but it's only his first year, right? This is rookie year. Yeah. yeah, it's like dude, give him a, like Binder's rookie year, but we all have this expectation. We're like, Ugh. you know, and it's yeah, but Darren Binder rookie year, and it's Fernandez's rookie year, and it's like blah blah blah, and these guys are only two and a half seconds off the pace or two seconds off the pace, but you know, you right. get ranked by how many people are in front of you. So it's it's just yeah. kind of a it's a weird situation. There's a lot of stuff at play that we don't know about, and we're burning a lot of time talking about stuff we're going to talk about anyway over the rest of the year. So yeah. let's just go All ahead right, and well, move look, on. MotoGP Championship standings right now. Got Quattro lead in G-Dub, and he's got a nice little lead now, 18-point lead over Aleish. Bastianini is third. So Quattro, Greg, has got 147 points. Third place is 94 points now. Yep. Zarco's at 91, and Bagnaia's at 81. I mean, Bagnaia's I mean, 60 points back almost. It's the, crazy. Way, the way that Quattro's been riding last couple of years, good luck catching him. I mean, it's yeah, because he just yeah, doesn't make right. big mistakes. He he knows if he's got to take fourth, he'll take fourth. You know, as you say, G Dub, he's an earner, dude. He's an earner. He is an he's earner. an earner, dude. Yeah. As, what do you say? That, like you say Giselle. that about Giselle, don't he's you? Like the, yeah, he's just like, like Giselle, Giselle, man. She's yeah. an earner. Good for Tom Brady. All right, Moto Two had some heartache for us, didn't yeah. it? Moto Two, Viette wins over Canet, who in turn beats. Fernandez, who came from a long way back, by the way. Fernandez came from a long way back to only be half a, ten, half a second out of the win. Uh, Eighty-one thousandths of a second, I believe, was the the, the winning over, Viette over Canet. Viette, I think, it was a great bounce back. He needed it too, man, because he has really been letting people stick around in this championship. Canet uh, again denied his first uh, victory in Moto Two. Fourth, Jake Dixon does a good job. Ends up within a second of the win. Top four guys are all within a second. Schroeder, Acosta, sixth. Nice recovery for him. I saw him as far back as 14th at one point. Your boy Ayagura didn't have his best AG dub, but scores seventh. Yeah, gets himself some points though. Yep. Lopez Gonzalez, Tony Arbolino, Dalaporta, Chantra, Ben Snyder, Navarro, and Fermin Aldeguer, uh ends up 15th. But man, G Dub, mm. we're sitting there, we're watching this race. Joe's out front. I don't oh, even know what to say. I'm so bummed for him. And he was pulling away. And the guys that he beat or were beating said, man, Joe just was, he was fast. There was, like, to see Joe slide off and that slow turn, I was so bummed for the guy. Um, I mean, unless he over, unless he cooked his tires off by the end of the race, there was no catching him. Here's the thing, right? When you watch his onboard video, when a rider knows that they're in deep, they generally don't turn their head to the left and start looking at their exit point very much. Like, you, I mean, you do do it out of kind of habit. You said do, but a lot of times, if you said, huh? You said do do. I said do do. Oh, said, did doo-doo. I? Well, okay. So basically, welcome to third grade. You, you, you are uh, out of it, dude. <laughs> Poor guy. I am out of it, man. I, I barely. <laughs> that got was to a sleep. heck of a joke, and I, I got nothing out of you. Nothing. No, I said welcome to third grade. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Anyways, um, Joe looks down the track like he already thinks he's got everything under control. So the front folds up underneath him there, and it, dude, it was so, such a bummer. You and said it, dude. It like? you, you said it the best when we were watching it. You're like, the sinking feeling in your stomach the moment you know you're losing the front, that instant, oh. and what he must have been going through. And, th- and that's the, the human side. I hate it for Joe. Obviously, you know, we feel for him, but we're also disappointed at the same time. You know, it's a tough one. But he'll put it behind him. Hopefully, he knows what he 
what he's done in terms of mechanically, right? Like, this is the mistake that I made. He mentioned something like I was trying to hold on to the pace, and it's like, ugh. So the biggest thing Greg, is Greg, isn't it is crazy? It's always the slow the corners. The it's, of course it's always Not for Joe, corners. but in general, it's always the slow corners. All, like, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, obviously people crash in fast corners, Petrucci, but, you know, I mean, what I'm saying is, is like the, those big mistakes always happen in slow corners because it lends itself to the biggest mistakes. You slow that centrifugal force down. You get too aggressive on the brakes. It's the easiest place to just lock up that front, or you know what I mean. You, you do something, and and you know if you're if you're maintaining that pace as a guy who knows who's won national championships in his day, and I'm speaking specifically of me. Mm-hmm. You know when you when you when you're out front and you're checked out and you're in a oh, slow boy. corner and you just want to be able to put that you know yeah, you want two God. to go to two point five. I get it. You know, <laughs> Joe, I'm with you. Dude, you're painful to huh? just even listen to sometimes. You know, when yeah. I was at Catalonia racing. Oh, shut up! And then Cam falls. Cam was just stopping. Yeah, know that, what's... honestly, yeah, that was a. That, and, but I don't and know he what's going on like, there. He fell out. Eighteenth place or something. Yeah. Like I don't, dude. I don't get it, and it's something. It's I mean, tough. look, it's, it's just look, a drag. I, I didn't talk to Cam. All I know is we sent him a photo saying, "Dude, we love you. You're world champion rider. Stick with it. You know, yeah, you and me and just, for others." Because, you know, the one thing I just concerned about Cam is that he, he loses his, his mojo, you know, that it getting beat down like this. And yeah. same thing with Joe yeah. Roberts, you know. But Joe, you know, it's 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 more difficult for a guy like Cam to crash out of where he was than it is for Joe Roberts to crash out of lead because I don't care who you are. If you're leading a Weir race or a Moto America race or a freaking Grand Prix race and you throw it down because you're pushing the pace because you want to win, a, a tip of cap to you. It stinks. I got no problem with that. Right. I don't have any problem. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. It sucks, right? Yeah. It doesn't make it suck any less. But it's, yeah, man. It's wrenching. Just, it got, you know, what Joe did is he crashed out of the lead because he was the fastest guy on the racetrack and pushed too hard. Like, he literally went yes. to the limit of the bike. And so, like, yeah. what I'm saying is Joe probably understands he's got enough people around him where he understands like dude you just crashed out of the lead like let's go do that again you know let's go put yourself in the position to be in the lead again and and work these clowns and get them thinking about you what i'm saying for poor cam is is that cameron bobier is a winner like he naturally he's a winner he's he's won how many races in moto american all this kind of stuff and i'm not holding on to the past what i'm saying is a winner is a winner is a winner competitors or competitors are always going to be i don't care if you're 90 years old racing your 90 year old buddy to the shitter because your damn bladder's about to burst after four minutes doesn't matter race is a race bobier is is a winner yeah that's a a good analogy you're 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 really spot on good analogy third grade again Anyway, yeah. let's just move on to yeah, Moto who's 3. out of it. Let's go to Moto Jesus. Three. Vietti leads I- the championship, one thirty-three over one seventeen, over your boy Ayagura, who's in second in the championship. G Dub, Kanet yeah. is third, so it's still pretty close between the top three. Um, the thing, the, the person that hurt the most was Joe. I mean, Joe's been in this championship yes, hunt, right? Yeah, yes. Uh, it drops him to sixth. Did you watch Moto Three? <laughs> yeah, I watched Moto Three. You kidding me? You did it today while you were being Robin Hood. That was quite the picture you sent me. Yes, it was. Yeah, what a race. What a race. Ethan Guevara wins the thing over David Munoz. Munoz on the BOE Motorsports. And then you had Suzuki, Garcia, Jan, uh, Dennis Anju, Tatai, McPhee, Masia, Fernandez, Artigas, Rossi, Kelso on back through the field. The biggest thing was... There was a gaggle of riders. It started to break up. There was a crazy crash. It was under investigation. 
but Guevara, <laughs> who who put on a was show it? Friday, found yeah. found the the Friday show form late in the race, probably what maybe three quarters of the way through, put his head yeah. down, was able to win by one point, or basically two seconds, right? Yeah. So the battle was really between this David Munoz kid who's 16 years old, just turned 16. It's his second race ever. He led the race a couple of times, several times really. Suzuki was was fast and aggressive, but he made a huge mistake a couple couple laps to go. I was gonna text you and see if you picked it up. And then Garcia, mm-hmm. that was really the run to to the uh, the checkered flag. There were some aggressive moves, but whatever. So um, interesting to see this Munoz. If Munoz is going to be able to sustain this pace, you know he's he's Spanish. Looks he's, pretty strong, doesn't he? He does, but. Hey, listen, man. He comes from Red Bull Rookies, Rookies Cup. He turned 16 two races ago. He finishes, what, 11th in his first race, now second. He led the race. He looked solid in it. Didn't look like his bike was up to snuff, though, did it, Jay? It didn't. You're right. Gray, I couldn't agree with you more. I was like, it just looked like it was, it was just missing a tick, or there was just something about it. I couldn't really explain it myself because I was watching it, and I'm like, yeah. dude, he had no problem stuffing it up underneath people, did he? No, and, but, and I don't know much about Moto3 and equipment and stuff like that, but it kind of seems like maybe it's a slower bike KTM than the, you know, because the KTM and the Gas Gas supposed to be the same. I mean, it's the same company, right? Right. Like it's, it's, and, they, and they always talk about the Hondas, the, the Leopard Hondas being kind of fast. Yeah, and, and line, there was right? no chance yeah. that Munoz's KTM was as fast as, as even Garcia or, or Guevara's Gas Gas. There was no way. So, Agreed. I was like, nah, and so he was riding really hard. But what I am saying is, you know, Catalonia can be a home race. I don't know what part of Spain he's from. So, um, you know, jury's out on this kid. I'm not, I mean, I hope he does great. I mean, he especially wow. because they're like always oh, known as an aggressive rider. I'm like, I don't even know how you you determine a, what an aggressive rider is in Moto Three. Like, <laughs> just gonna, I, Greg, you and I, we catch the same stuff all the time. We always talk about this because I'm like, when they said he's an aggressive rider, I'm like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you can you point me to a Moto Three rider that isn't? Yeah. Whoever in twentieth isn't the aggressive rider because they're in twentieth. I'm just curious. Yeah, I was in the same boat as you. But post like, post race, it's funny that we catch on. To yeah, that, I so. know, right? Post race press conference, Suzuki said he made a he made a like a tactical error. I think you know something along those lines. Did you see with like two laps to go on the straightaway? He just kind of like was way out in no man's land. Wasn't drafting anybody was. and let like five bikes go by him. Yeah, I did see that. I did see that, and I just think that they're – it's kind of weird. You know, I look at our Junior Cup races sometimes, and I'm like, you know, they have seven riders at the front. And you're like, man, where are these guys going to go? There's no room. There's no this. And then it always takes, like, a little discipline from one or two of the riders. Like, I see Cody Wyman do it sometimes where it's, like, fourth lap in. There's It's getting a little hectic, and Cody will just kind of like, okay, like it's the fourth lap, guys. I'm going to let you do your thing, Yes. and then I'm going to sit here, and then I'm going to start going back through you. And – I just think that sometimes in Moto Three we see that, and and look, Suzuki was not happy. It didn't look like after the race. I didn't get to watch the interviews because I was trying to kind of speed through the race. Oh, he was so not we could do happy. the podcast. He was not. He didn't. No. He didn't look happy. I didn't see his interview. Was he? Was he? Did, was he not a happy guy? He was not a happy camper. He was kind of short in his answers, and he said he made it a, like a strategic error, something like that. And I think. That maybe it was that was kind of it. What you saw, maybe maybe that was yeah. it. Maybe he was like, okay, I'm gonna wait and, and see how this things. Maybe he felt like someone was gonna crash because that's kind of the window when people who are up front like that get a little bit hectic. And maybe he thought maybe okay. Munoz or somebody like that was gonna. And he just kind of sat back there. And I think ultimately it cost him the win, 100. percent But I think mm-hmm. it also cost him, you know, the ability to get up there in second place and try to put at least some daylight between himself. But he, you know, he's been around a while. 
Tatsuki. I've, I've been in races, G-Dub, where I have felt like I have the measure of the one or two or three or guys ahead of me. But it's so chaotic. I'm like, I kind of am waiting for them to take each other out. Yeah, yeah. No, and you're, yeah, I've, and, I've, I've, and I've you're sitting there and you're watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're sitting there and you're watching the race. And you're like, okay. And you're, you're behind these guys. And you're like, okay, there's, there's no way this is going to be sustainable. <laughs> it's going to end in tears. And, I'm going to roll right through then, the and, dust. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see you see L2 on your board, like two laps to go, like the whole race is just gone and you realize you haven't really had a go and then you kind of get stuck because you kind of turn into the franticness that you've seen in front of you for the last 10 laps or whatever it is. And I kind of feel like that's kind of what it is in Moto3 and you got a kid like Munoz who none of those guys have probably ever raced against, right? Right. So they're probably sitting there going, this kid ain't going to be here the whole time. That's what He's I would be thinking. Himself. That's that, he, correct. That, right? That's what I was thinking so, as a fan. I'm like, when's this kid going to throw it down the road? Because he was making some hard passes. He was really trusting the front end, and he was riding harder to do that pace than anyone else in the group. Yeah, that Salvador kid too. That David Salvador kid who yes. came in and took Sasaki's place he felt really great. bad for him. He got he got cleaned out. He got cleaned out. Um, you know, in the race, and it was like ah. Oh, and then Fagio, points wise, mm. you know. Again, it's like got this championship guy who's going to be winning the championship, who's kind of like the guy that everybody thinks is going to win the championship. Now he's fifty-one points back. Fadia, yeah, but but yeah, when Fadia when had his problem, did you know immediately what happened? I did. I actually did. Because, I knew exactly what you know, happened. You know, well, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you how I knew. Though. I know. I know exactly tell you how, how I knew. you know. Go ahead. Well, when they showed the onboard mm-hmm. of him running off, mm-hmm. and I could hear him, right, like, rev the motor. Revving a little, but he wasn't like he was like hammering the motor. Nope. It was just like he was just like Testing. kind of revving it. My God, like, oh, that's a chain. He's not going anywhere. And then the 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 guys in the booth basically said, "Oh, I, they saw him jump a curbing." I didn't see that, but I knew it was a chain just because I knew it wasn't a clutch. So when they initially um, showed him, they showed him yeah. look down to his left, and he was looking at basically to see if the chain was on. And I could see that the the chain was. It had jumped off. Like I don't think the chain broke oh. because I did see some okay. gold. So I knew it oh, immediately you in that shot. You know what I mean? And okay. then they were I like, didn't We don't know it. what's going on. And I, I was like, Ah, it's the chain. It sucks. Then I heard the guy say he jumped the curb a couple couple maybe like thirty seconds afterwards and I was like, Well, okay, that <laughs> makes sense. You but know I didn't mean? see that part, did you? You didn't see him jump the curb either, right? I did not see him jump the curb because so it's probably I was like, what did it though. I, a chain normally, if you, yeah, it definitely, if you, especially if you get a violent thing like that, because it, it's going to get out of spec or whatever, in terms of like the the normal travel that that you've set the chain link for. So I'm thinking, yep. okay, either the chain broke, which would make sense, but on a on a 125 or on a on a moto 125 on a moto 3 bike a chain breaking i don't you know that would be like a miss like someone missed a link or something like or a a pin on a you know on a master link or something or yeah. for some weird reason you could have maybe a transmission issue temporarily or a brake issue or something and you, or even an old sprocket and you could strip the sprocket but when i yeah. saw the shot that they showed just one time when they they kind of zoomed in when he pulled off the track i could kind of see the chain in there and i saw it it was like no it, it's it's off it's off yeah. it was there it would have interesting off. and i it think it sucks for him yeah it sucks for him i mean cuz he you know but i guess he was on the bike and he jumped the curb he's the one you know unless he got forced off right like yeah. he did it but did yeah we had that slow motion camera this shit this last weekend we had the slow mo of ty scott going through turn 1 like a super slow mo Mm-hmm. And I could not believe how much the chain was flapping, was moving on that bike. Always. Yeah, flapping, exactly the word I was looking yeah. for. I mean, crazy. Like, 
I, you know, because I'm an idiot too when it comes to mechanical stuff. So I just Word. take that stuff for granted some mm-hmm. sometimes. But I could not believe. I don't appreciate you calling me an idiot, by the way. But you did. Okay. I just agreed with you. I know. I just agreed. Thank you for that. Sergio Garcia, Garcia leads now by 16 points over his teammate, Guevara. Masia is at 103 after. He had a pretty good run, like four podiums in a row, and he's been a little bit off. Then we got Fazia now, man. He's Like I said, he's 51. Actually, he's more than that, G-Dub. He's 55 points back. Yeesh. So that's a big – That's a big. Uh, I mean, 55 points in this stuff, though. It can go away pretty quickly. So, uh, you know, Moto, when do they go again, G-Dub? Are they a couple two weeks, weeks away? Two, two weeks away in Saxon Ring? And then do they actually have they have a break after that? No, I think they go one more back-to-back, and then they have a break. Because wasn't it like five races, or wasn't it five races yeah. in six weeks? Hold on, I'm looking it up right now, Jay. So they go, yeah, yeah they go um, Saxon Ring, and then the very next week they go to Assen, and then the next week after that, they go right to Silverstone. Then I think okay. they have a two-week break. Um, right? We're in June. Oh no! Sorry, 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 sorry. It's June. Yeah, they skip July. So, so basically, they, they go. They, yeah, okay. they go. They go to uh, to Germany. Then they go to the TT right after that, and then they don't go back. Yeah, That's June twenty-sixth. They don't go back until okay. Silverstone, August seventh. So they have over a month off. It's so crazy to think in a 21-race series you have a month off in the middle of the summer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I guess you got to let people regroup, right? So that's just Yeah, I mean, part of it. it's European, it. bro. I mean, everybody's got to go on vacation. And plus, you give, everybody's give, have a give people time to heal and, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's it's all good. It just sucks for our podcast, but it'll give us an opportunity to catch up on Oh, we got on, World uh, Superbike. We got, we got Moto America. We got World Superbike. We got yeah. all kinds of stuff. And let's talk about fantasy real quick. Uh, I stink still. I'm still very, very poor. Greg right. came up with a great tip for me on how to maneuver my team around. I still sucked. Even though all my riders finished, I still sucked. That's <laughs> a sign of a truly horrendous team. But you sucked team. less, but you sucked less because you had the, the changes, no? But but I'm protesting it all because <laughs> I don't have enough money to get anybody good. Yeah, but so how are you game. supposed to get better? It, it's, it's, yeah. it's the game, okay? It's the one thing that we didn't I don't have any, really I, think yeah. about that we're going to think about next year, okay? And that I'm is, getting a full dose of what it feels like to be you. <laughs> like just sucking when it comes to pretty much anything competitive. So, yeah, you know, I stink, G-Dub. And you're killing it. How much is your team worth, stupid? <sighs> like 15 mil. Like they're, It's like it's capped. And I've got, and I had to do that. I I got a leash on my team. I mean, anyways, it doesn't matter. I don't even what want to I'm talk saying, about my team. All I'm saying is they Fight stink. Club. Fight Club leads the way. Okay. Yes, give it to me. I don't even have it pulled up. Fight Club so leads the way. Myself. Although I have to say, Fight Club, you know, is is has burned the turbos out of turbos. Only scored seventy six and a half points this round, but still leads nine fifty two to nine thirty eight with three SMC champs. But Fight Club's team is only worth seventeen point eight million. All right, Woot Racing. How much is his team worth? Only seventeen point eight mil. Yeah, wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because where, you know where, why? Because he. Yeah. Where you have Hey Go MF on. in sixteenth place. I wonder what MF stands for. That's so weird. Hmm, I don't hey know. MF in sixteenth place. Team is valued at twenty point three million dollars. So what? What? I've realized this year more than anything as the value increases on your rider. So your value increases, but maybe it's a rider you want to get rid of. So now you can afford a different rider and all this kind of stuff. It really becomes key moves that you really need to pay more attention at the beginning of the season than I really thought you needed to. 
And so it's I don't great. even know but who Justin's I, got on his team. Who's he got right now? Justin's got Aleish Justin? and Bagnaya. Fight Club. And then he's got Bastianina and Martin. Well, listen, I have to tip a cap to my boy, Dan Yaza, DJ30X. Yep. He's now fourth. Comes out with 120 Man. and a half points. He turboed. Wow. He turboed Aleish. So Aleish kind of oh. boned him a little bit, but not horrible. Kind of crushed him. A little bit. I mean, you know, you go from P2 to P, P5 and you turboed that. I mean, you know. And and it might have been enough points to put Yaza in third spot because he's it's nine twenty nine for Woot Racing and nine twenty two for Yaza. However, my boy Dan, he's down to one turbo man. He's down to one. So wow, I I yeah, slipped. But, done, but here's the thing: all these guys that have used their turbos all have amazing teams. Like, like no, that's what your I'm boy saying. Fight Club doesn't they, have an amazing team in terms of value. Anyway, it's not like you know some some stellar team, but. But he's got solid riders. Like, he's got Bagnaia and Aleish. Okay, so yeah. Bagnaia gets cleaned out this race. That's good. He's got Ducati. That's good. Bastianini's yeah. won races. That's good. But Bastianini kind of screwed him. And then Martin had a great race for him because Martin, I think, is a solid pick. Maybe after he's had the surgery now, G-Dub, and maybe maybe that'll take some of his Yeah, I wonder what Martin's value away. is. It's, so, I mean, obviously, Martin's planning on like being back after something. the surgery. Yeah, so it's yeah. pretty good. yeah, yeah. You know, where like, so, like like I said, let's you know, if you go down to Hay MF in sixteenth at a twenty point three, you have a Leish, Quart, Miller, and Bagnaya with Ducati as a, I mean, you know, other than the Miller thing, which can can give you something or nothing, Bagnaya, he gets cleaned out. He didn't do it himself. I think the the, yeah. the Bagnaya crashing himself out stuff might be gone. So we'll see. I slipped from forty fifth down to fifty fourth. It's very depressing, but what are you gonna do? You know, my, my team value is at 17.8, so I'm kind of in the middle. You know, I'm yeah. Bastianini kind of hosed me, and the Bagnaia thing hosed me, but LH got me 21. So we'll see, you know, how it goes yeah. as we move forward. My I was marching up the leaderboard, though, dude, week after week, and so it stalled out. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on it. But I'm glad you made some moves, Jay. Your, your team has got to be worth more money than it was initially. My team right now, my team... Is worth thirteen point eight million. So I've got a hundred thousand that I can. I'm hosed, bro. Like, yeah, I'm just. I'm screwed. Dude, I don't even. Anyways, I stink. Million. We started with fifteen, bro. Yeah, I know. I want to tell you something so bad right now, but it's just way not not cool if I did it on a podcast. But yeah, yeah, we're not. Yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. All right, look. Let's talk about I'll World. Tell Super you when Bike. we get off, though. All right, sounds good. Let's talk about World Superbike. Yeah. Um, you know, apparently Pirelli's bringing some new SCX, SC, as in Charlie X development compound. But beyond that, uh, let you know, we have uh, Mizano this weekend. We have a points championship where you have Bautista's 161 over Johnny Ray at 144. Top rack is second or third, sorry, at 109. Locatelli way back in double digits, 84. So what do you what are you thinking? What are you expecting? What are you hearing about this weekend in Italy? Okay, here's my prediction, and I haven't read anything about it. I don't know what's going on. All right, it's gonna get chip. All it's right. gonna get chippy this weekend. It's gonna get chippy, chippy this weekend. <laughs> you think so? Fully. Oh yeah, it's gonna get chippy because I believe that you're gonna see Ronaldo up there. I think that the races are gonna be closer. I think that you have the potential of having your teammates. Getting closer, so I think Rinaldi will be closer. I'm hoping that Alex will be closer. I think Locatelli is going to be closer. Let's hope that Garrett is healed. I just feel like Mazzano, it could be a bit of a shit show. 
I, I think might, that you next week throw a BMW in there. BMW's fast, and you know, I mean, Mizano's particular, but not that particular, right? I'm not ready to go there yet. I think yeah, the right. BMW's still struggling a little. I, I do. I think it's still struggling a little bit, but okay. I think that there are going to be. I think that it's going to be ultra, super close racing. Mizano only really truly has. I mean, the front straightaway there is is not really that long. Um, I think that the Ducati is not going to be able to stretch its legs as much there. So I think that the battles at the front are going to be a lot closer amongst the three guys. But I think, don't forget, Rinaldi's doubled here. I think, didn't Rinaldi double here a couple of years ago or last year? I can't remember. I know he, I think he doubled at Aragon. Maybe, Maybe I got him back. Year, but yeah. I know he, I know he's won it. I know he's won at Mazzano. Um, this is the part of the show where I get a little bit cautious because mm-hmm. Steve English will just rail me if I don't get it right. But the thing is, I just think it's going to be chippy after this. I think that there's going to be some stuff coming out after this weekend of like, you know, we're, we're going to have a good podcast about this one next weekend, I feel. Okay, maybe we can get Steve English on it too since it's the uh, the main source of, of information and entertainment for next week. What's the – you don't probably have it pulled up. I can't remember what the point standings are right now on that. It's, I it's Batista. I just read them to you. Do you not oh, listen you? to me? 161 no, Actually, Batista, oh, 144 Ray, 109 Raz Gottlieb. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This, it, la- ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It's one to forget <laughs> at this point. <laughs> it is pretty bad. Hey, shout out to Brandon when we went to dinner the other night. Thanks for doing a photo with us. That was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he recognized your bald head. He probably didn't even know I was there. And then, you know, but thanks. We had a. I was wearing a, a photo hat. moment with him. I was wearing a hat, wasn't I? And he recognized me. I probably heard your voice. That yeah, that, that's probably what that it was. Deep announcer voice you got. That. <laughs> hey, there's a guy. There's a there's a guy that does impressions. Okay, there's a guy that does impressions. G Dub and uh, I'm I'm foggy today. I can't remember his name, but he does all he does all golf PGA guys impressions. He's so good. I've discovered that we need to get you. To start doing some impressions because you do a good job and don't don't do any right now. I'm not going. But I'm to saying that that you could probably do about eight or ten people that I know, and your impressions are pretty good. I think we need to. That could be a whole other market for you. What yeah, do you think? All right. <laughs> some of income, your heroes another too. Another income generator. <laughs> the next rich little. It's going yeah. back in time for you. The all next- right, everybody, listen. Dana Carvey. A little bit long. Again, we've got World Superbike this weekend. we got Pro Moto, I think, in Colorado, don't we, G-Dub? Colorado, I think, yeah. So we got some stuff that we're going to talk about, and I'm going to a hand specialist because my shit still is not right, and it's ruining my whole summer. Uh, and, yeah, and so we are uh, looking forward to the podcast next week, and I promise G-Dub and I will be a little bit more awake. <laughs> I don't know. I'm on a red eye Monday night, so we probably should You're wait till Wednesday to do it because I'm going to be dead on Tuesday. <laughs> we'll wait till Thursday of next week to oh do our God. podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'll be coming off of yeah. getting my ass kicked at an archery tournament. You're so. not going to get you. Just go there and yeah. Just, yeah, just, just go have fun. I love how people always say that. Why don't you just go there and have some fun? I'm like, well, because like, I'm a competitor. All right. It's not fun unless I win. Great. I don't know if how you know you this base... or not, but if you're not first, you're, you're last. What? Really? You're a competitor? Do we please sign off? I got to edit this crap, and it's going to take me forever. And I don't have my big hey, screen. Hey, everyone, in have my a mouth. great week. Enjoy your enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week, everyone. See ya.